0: Indiana Jones has returned for one last adventure. The Dial of Destiny is set in 1969 and sees our aged explorer pulled into one last fight with those guys he really hates. So let's see if it's one last hurrah or just another nostalgia sequel. welcome okay, everyone it is the collector's cut this is a movie podcast i am peter and joining me as always is david you should have stayed in new york you should never have went into poland <laughs> which i actually i'm annoyed you started with that because that's the best line of the whole movies his response yep. to that line so i think honestly you've You you did the cheap pop a bit too early. It's all downhill from here. You you did the cheap pop too early, and I I think you've you've bought it the
1: It's the line that I remembered the most out of this movie, which says something. Uh I don't want to get
0: there. Okay, well, we have been working through Indiana Jones. We did the previous four movies over the past four weeks. It is time now to talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the brand new film, which is out in theaters just now. By the time this goes out, it'll be out for about a week. And uh, we'll start spoiler-free, of course, as we always do, and we will give you a warning before we get to spoilers. And I'm warning David on this, because he's very bad at actually <laughs> adhering to this. Um, Look, I just really want to talk about
1: that last scene. Can we just jump right to that?
0: <laughs> so we'll get started. We'll dive into it. Uh, this one is set... I didn't catch the exact year, but I'm assuming, based on the events in the film, it is a basically just on 1970. It's 1969. Is it still 69? It's still 69. Oh, some things you could tell it was turning into the seventies, though. There was definitely some seventies esque oh, yeah. things in the, you know, just
1: yeah, in absolutely. The look of it's, well, the the big thing at the very beginning is that there's a parade going on for the return of the Apollo whatever number
0: Eleven. astronauts. Yeah, the the, the ones that actually went to the moon. Yes, Neil Neil and his buddies. That made it back.
1: Yeah. And they they were having a parade. I, then, just, so right I just I just
0: thought maybe they didn't actually get back until seventy, you know, because I I couldn't remember what the exact date of the moon landing was. So maybe right. you know, by the time they got back, it was the new decade. I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, clearly not. You. Know. It's nineteen sixty nine, um, and Indiana Jones is now. <laughs> I don't know if they I don't know if En Canon he's in his eighties, but Harrison Ford's in his eighties. So I'm just going to he's, assume
1: his age is the same as it. Like it follows with um what is it the kingdom of the crystal skull because they're because of the way that like release dates lined up from the first trilogy to kingdom of crystal skull they actually i think de-aged him slightly from what he should have been Oh, okay But this stays in canon with crystal skull i couldn't tell you what age that is but it's canon with that
0: okay so whatever the year gap between yeah whatever mm-hmm. so he's living in new york Uh, early on we get interest to his life as it is we'll talk about that i think more in spoilers but you know he's he's an old fuddy-duddy uh basically he's harrison ford
1: i was gonna say they just had harrison (laughs) ford walk around for a while (laughs)
0: um and we're also interested to another main character of this film is a new character played by phoebe waller bridge uh, helena Mm -hmm. and she kind of is the person who comes in and kick-starts the plot and gets it all going and our villain of the movie is played by mads mickelson um, he is uh, a scientist who worked for the Nazis during World War Two, and now mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's got plans. He's got evil scheming plans now, in his older yep. age. Uh, so that is uh that's the basic setup of it. Obviously, the MacGuffin is the titular Dial of Destiny, which is what the bad guy wants. It's what Indy's going to have to try and get to first to stop all sorts of bad things happening. So,
1: you know, I I remember. Going into this movie, I was looking up showtimes, so I went over to IMDb, and the plot synopsis, I think, at the time, let me see if it's still the same thing, yep, archaeologist Indiana Jones races against time to retrieve a legendary artifact that can change the course of history, and I'm like, that's just all of them. (laughs) That's every
0: single one of them. Which I appreciate, because it's not spoiling anything. No, not at all. It's not spoiling a goddamn thing. Perfect. (laughs) So... Yeah, um, so you know, going into this. I wasn't really sure what to feel. It, it had a notab- notably disastrous first, like uh, embargo, because mm-hmm. they decided to show it, like a good month or so, maybe even two months. It was a while ago now. Uh, at the Cannes Film Festival, they did like an early press screening, and mm-hmm. the reviewers from that press screening could publish their reviews, and it got like it on Rotten Tomatoes after that batch of reviews came out, which wasn't like, you know, the full amount but you know the yeah. the twenty thirty reviews that happened at the time it came out to about 18 percent on rotten tomatoes mm. it was pretty disastrous now when the general reviews came uh, much sooner or much closer to the film's release it went up to the 60s somewhere and you know so a bit more reasonable somewhere comfortable in that just you know in the fresh but not super high in the fresh territory yeah. so I wasn't really sure what to think going into this. Obviously, we had our own little discussion at the end of Crystal Skull talking about our our hopes, our worries, what we expected from it. And, you know, going into it, like, I'd heard one or two things, and we can't talk about, obviously, any of this now, but other than (laughs) just it's a bit of a nostalgia sequel that's a bit overlong, the only other thing I heard about it was that it takes some big swings in the last, you know, 20 minutes or so. And mm. so that's the, that's all I knew going in. I tried to stay away from any information. That's all I yeah, knew. Yeah, I mean
1: I didn't even hear anything about that stuff of the big swings. Mm. I heard a Nostalgia sequel because I mean as soon as it was announced, I assumed that it was a Nostalgia sequel. Oh yeah, sequel. It's, it's not a
0: surprise that that's what yeah. it is,
1: but but yeah, I was I went in pretty much completely blind. Um I think the only thing I knew was the name of the MacGuffin they were going after, but not, like, what this movie says its special property or anything is. It's just that it was the Dial of Archimedes, which is actually kind of a real thing, but obviously it's not magical or anything like that. And it doesn't have any, like, special properties of, like,
0: spiritualism or anything like that. It's just a clock. That's it. (laughs) It's a very, very old clock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I... So, yeah i mean i guess we'll just get into how we we feel about it uh so yeah. you know if you would like to start us off david as you always do <sighs> golly i really wouldn't
1: but you're right i always do um <laughs> so obviously we filmed all the other indiana jones reviews a little bit ago we bet we had a little gap since then it's but been, i did go
0: back it's been about a month i'd say since we been did crystal month, skull yeah. yeah
1: i did go back when crystal skull was released uh last week, and I re-listened through just to make sure, you know, I know where my thoughts are, I know everything we talked about and everything going into it. The one thing that we spent an inordinate amount of time on is (laughs) this idea of the nostalgia sequel and whether or not movies have a reason to be made, whether or not they're actually saying something that warrants another movie. Going into this one, I was, of course, very skeptical. I think this movie had... A reason for existing I think that there would they had a story that they felt could be told via Indiana Jones and it was something that they actually managed to work with to an extent I think this movie does a good job of knocking on the idea of the age of Indiana Jones is over we have reached the space age quite literally astronauts have come back from the moon And we don't really have a need in that world for an archaeologist anymore. It's all about the future nowadays. And this movie did a really good job of exploring that for about 45 total minutes of this movie. And then the rest of it is just, hey, look at all the chase scenes. And that's what disappointed me about it, is that this started off so strongly and then very quickly started devolving into like, okay, but he's an action hero. And so, all in all, I would say that I didn't hate it, but it is just this mild disappointment, much like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that it didn't live up to its potential of what it could have been.
0: Okay, okay, interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would add on there, you said it sets up all this stuff at the start. Uh, what I will just correct there slightly is that mm-hmm. after the gratuitous like 20-minute flashback, it starts setting Dude, all that stuff more- up.
1: It reminded me of the young Indiana Jones stuff. And I was like, oh, Pete's going to hate this.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'll give my proper thoughts on that opening uh, forthcoming. Even spoiler-free, there's some thoughts I could mm. share. Uh, yep. But I just wanted to put that, that in because technically that takes up a good like 20 minutes. and this movie's two and a half hours long so that runtime goes to somewhere and that's definitely one of the things it goes to but
1: i i uh, realized as i got into the theater i should have worn a watch because i had no sense of when this movie was ending
0: but once it got once it got going um i agree it sets up some of these themes um and i think for me i didn't think the movie's i thought it was just okay right i didn't think mm-hmm. it was that good i think I agree more or less with what you said and that it sets up some interesting themes and ideas to play with with the character, but it ultimately doesn't really seem to matter that much once the actual adventuring starts. Once the adventuring kicks in, I'm just kind of constantly going, he's really too old to be doing this. I don't really yeah. feel like I'm buying it. Obviously, the problem that the last movie had kind of comes back here again, which simply is that you're not doing all this stuff with stunts and therefore you're doing it with CG and there's some Mm -hmm. particular moments that stood out to me is like making me sad about how just shit they were compared to doing like, you are compared to any good scene in Raiders where it was an action scene and how much poorer the action is in this by comparison. That was a big problem. And the sad thing is, is that I do think that right at the very end of the movie, it, like I, I got what the director like, was trying to do and Mm -hmm. i actually like what he was trying to do like there was a little moment right towards the end i thought was actually almost poignant but it didn't have the way or like feel like it brought all the movie together in the way that it should have because we had to spend so much time still making an indiana jones movie and i know this is going to sound really weird but (laughs) honestly a drama about old man indiana jones who's not adventuring to tell this exact same story would have been yeah. better than the movie that still tries to force it being a classic Indiana Jones movie for the majority of the runtime. The actual yeah. adventuring Indiana Jones stuff is the stuff holding it back as an interesting story and like with something to say. So, yeah. you know. For for me, it it
1: the thing that immediately jumped out to me was the comparison between the X Men movies, like any one of them, take your pick, and Logan. Where there, yes, you can still have like little bits of action. You could still have tiny little things. But the core of the movie is exploring this guy who is just not able to do this anymore. Mm. And I think that this movie really should have followed that same sort of format of him. Like, yeah, he's dragged along on this begrudgingly. He he's kind of forces his way through it. But in the end, the point that it's making is he's done. He's, he just cannot keep doing well, well, this more and more.
0: It's not just that. There is another point that it makes, but we can't really talk mm. about it until spoilers. No. And yeah. that point's the more interesting one, honestly, that mm. I think could have really been the heart of the whole movie. And sadly, like I said, we have to... and I know it sounds strange to say it's too much of an Indiana Jones movie, but that really is the problem, is that we have to do chase scenes and we have to do villains going after the MacGuffin and they have to chase and they have to have this and that. And all of those things, I think, just detract from the interesting things that the movie's actually trying to do. To the point where, mm-hmm. like, you get to that that the the, the good few ideas that kind of sprinkle in at the end, and it's a little bit too little, too late. But had they landed the way that I think, like, it felt they could have landed, it would have maybe been a special movie about someone who had aged, so someone who is not only moved on or or is struggling to move on, but. Is struggling to even like really know who they are because things have changed mm-hmm. and like what their place is in the world. And that could have been a fascinating story, but we have to do the, the nostalgia and we have to make sure we tick all the action movie boxes that it wants to tick. And yeah. that's a shame because I think it it takes away from it. Um and as far as the nostalgia stuff goes, it's very hit and miss. I will say they do the they do the let's focus on his hat for a moment thing like mm-hmm. far too many times like you get one you get one like oh like he's reaching for his hat or he's put his hat on for the first time or someone's handed him his hat but this yeah. movie does it like six or seven times
1: there's there's a point where he's he's dressed in just normal clothes for like most of this first half of this movie and then he goes to an airport and he's handed a bag with his hat and whip in it and i'm like he didn't need those like, there's there's a reason he didn't bring them along, and then you just forced it upon him. Like, he didn't need those clothes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually, I can make an argument for that in spoilers, but it's... Yeah. Like, yeah. There's there's arguments to be made for some things. Um, I don't think it makes the right time. I, you know, I've seen a lot of people say that they think this movie feels quite empty. It's, it's kind of missing the heart of some of the previous films, and it is... I I would also say, we can't talk about any of it yet, but I will (laughs) say how it handles things that aren't in here from the previous movie, while none of us really like the previous movie, by and large, so we shouldn't care. The problem is, is that it makes the franchise feel very messy when it feels like you're just kind of quickly putting aside things that were clearly meant to be a bigger deal going forward in previous Mm -hmm. films you know like it it feels like those actors who just don't get their contracts renewed yeah in the middle of a tv
1: show it's like oh yeah in between the season finale and the season premiere uh so and so had to return to their home planet
0: yeah so that's it (laughs) yeah someone's the famous one i always remember it's like one of the the family sitcoms where the, the oldest kid now is he's, oh, he's doing charity work somewhere in like South America now and that's just what they're oh, doing yeah. now like all, all the time it's just to explain why they're not there
1: <laughs> my my girlfriend is currently watching through family matters mm. and that one's hilarious because for the first four seasons they have three kids and then as soon as season five hits they just lose their youngest daughter and no one cares <laughs> like nobody talks about it and it's so weird
0: i have to imagine the parents of the kid wanted them to focus on school or something i don't know
1: well considering that actress went on to do porn <gasps> no
0: <gasps> okay maybe oh, all right okay Dar- darker yeah. darker story there all right yep. i forgot i said anything um <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean john Williams does do the music so you've got that to look forward to uh um, oh, yeah. if if that's uh, something uh although to be honest sometimes it just made me sad because it's like you know, he's not actually doing anything that impressive, but the music just starts. You know, the theme starts playing. And <laughs>
1: yeah, it re- it reminds me of um when the score for uh not Rise of Skywalker. What was the first one? Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Yeah, it rem- yeah. It reminds me of when the score for Force Awakens came out, and I like listened to Ray's theme and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, it's okay, I guess, but it's not like the original soundtrack. It doesn't like instill that sort of feeling anymore. I think, and that's. That's kind of how I felt about this. When the original theme played, I was like, yeah, all right, having fun doing things, but then every once in a while it would go to, like, Helena's theme, and I'd be like,
0: all right, well, Hmm. it's there. Well, I think that goes back to something we talked a lot about in Crystal Skull, which is when you have a a series of films like the original indie trilogy, which were all made in the same era, and they were all made using similar style of effects, similar style of, like, you know, production values and ideas and things like that. Yeah. that when you make a sequel much much later when the industry itself has changed so much that it would be impossible to actually capture how those movies looked and felt without mm-hmm. really getting out of your way and you know i don't think most movies that have these legacy sequels do try and go out the no. way to do that um yeah, I and i think that applies to the music here what you're saying is that like it's not that john williams is any less of a composer than he was when he did the original films it's just that you know he's evolved he's changed he's not m- writing the exact yeah. same things as he used to and Mm. that's okay but it sticks out when you're doing a sequel and it doesn't feel like this is like one of them anymore it feels like something feels a bit off and that that ties into like doing a lot more you know cg or green screen instead of stunts and you know how the action shot and stuff like that like that that, there's a moment actually early on in the flashback stuff i won't give any context here i'll just say there's one point where indy is running across the top of a train Mm. and it is completely cg it's a cg figure running across the train and that was noticeable. And it's very obvious because the animation yeah. just looks kind of stilted. But it made me really sad. That was the moment that made me sad really early on because I was just like, this would have been a stunt. Like in Raiders or or any of the, the original trilogy, they either had a stunt man running on top of the train. And it would have oh, looked yeah. impressive and fun and great. And mm-hmm. here it just made me go, ugh.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I also want to say that the style of this movie... I don't I don't think that it's Spielberg's style that was, like, the defining point for the previous four, but all the previous four movies did kind of have this very stand-back sort of attitude with the camera. Like, it wasn't always Ooh. right up in the action. This one, the camera is constantly dead center in the middle to the point where it gets kind of hard to follow what's going on a lot of the time in that it's it's very fast-paced, quick cuts, like... And, you know eventually in this movie there is a car chase like motorcycle chase sort of thing and it was
0: Hell. disorienting the entire time there's multiple i think yeah <laughs> if i remember correctly Yeah, um yeah and it's yeah i think james mangold obviously a very talented director like you know I, mm-hmm. I will stand. i think copland is a wonderful uh movie i mean he's had mm-hmm. stuff that i've not liked as well like identity i don't think is very good um i've not seen girl interrupted but you know he's he's had very you know back and forth. But he's 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 done a couple of really great movies. And I,
1: I didn't even realize he was executive producer on Logan when I said that <laughs> earlier thing. He's a director on it. Is he director? It's only coming up producer for me. Yeah, he directed Logan. I'm sure he did. All right. No, yeah, yeah, there he is. My bad. That was just IMDb for some reason thinking producer is more important than Wait, director. Wait, so you,
0: you brought up Logan earlier and didn't realize it was didn't. the same director? I had no idea. I thought that's why you were making the comparison. Nah. <laughs> that was just a happy little accident. I'll gladly take it. Oh um. So another problem, you know, we we mentioned the the runtime of this uh, is mm. two and a half hours, and I think there's nothing wrong with that runtime if it feels like the movie necessitates it the problem Mm. with a lot of modern blockbusters and i was feeling this during this movie is that modern blockbusters just seem to think this is a normal runtime now and we'll just do it willy-nilly and there was definitely periods of this film in the middle where i was like i feel like i like i'm physically ready to gear up into the the big final act and we were Mm. only just setting up what was like kind of the end of act two rather than act three you know it was like there's an entire section in, I think, Morocco, and then there's, like, an entire section on a boat, and that Mm -hmm. boat stuff, like, that's where I was really, like, like, uh, God, how much have we got left? Like, I feel like I'm ready to ramp up. It
1: was the issue of the MacGuffin that leads to the MacGuffin that leads
0: to the treasure, instead
1: of just the MacGuffin leading to the treasure.
0: Yes, there was a MacGuffin. So there's the main MacGuffin, which is in two halves. One Mm -hmm. half is pretty early on, but then there's a second MacGuffin to get to the second half of the first MacGuffin. And yeah. that takes up a lot of uh, time of like following the trail. And now and I have
1: a dagger that shows me the line of the Sith <laughs> blade. And oh wait, we've been here before.
0: And, yeah, I I was definitely feeling the. I was like, you could have condensed some of this surely into less McGuffins and sped up. No,
1: don't get me wrong, I enjoyed all of the puzzles and all of the treasure hunting, I think that it was very cleverly done. And it's kind of, I've always stated that my favorite way of it doing is the national treasure style where it's just knowledge. It's just, you know, stuff and you're able to crack these codes and like follow these hints and whatnot. I enjoy those in movies. This did a great job with that. It was just too many though, by the time you got to the end of, okay, maybe we could have had the hints earlier on at any given point here.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a problem where modern blockbusters, blockbusters especially in this case, yeah. I think just, like, they're all a bit drawn out now. Like, most of them, for some reason, are all running mm-hmm. over two hours. And, but you go back to the other Indiana Jones movies, they're all about two hours or less, right? Yeah.
1: Well, it's it's because, and I've I've studied this, I've seen a couple documentaries on this, of because of streaming, there is no such thing as, like, DVD sales afterwards anymore. It's all just a one-time thing. So when it comes to theaters, when it comes to showing them off, if it's a big theater release, it has to be epic. It has to cross that billion dollars, or else it's just not worth the sales. And so they force it out to this length to sell that epicness of it. The same way that like heavier objects seem to be more worthwhile.
0: Joe, you know so what's so fascinating about that is that the that is a complete flip of what the the thinking used to be back in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. they would insist on you getting under two hours or indeed under 90 minutes depending on the film because they wanted to fit more showings in in a day to make more money yeah. that was the logic back at the back in the day uh now of course obviously the big difference from now and then is that at back then they didn't have big like you know 15 18 20 screen cinemas everywhere right. now yeah. it's less of a problem because there's just so many uh, i, I went to my anyway. theater
1: and there was Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones IMAX, and Indiana Jones D-Box. And I was like, <laughs> I don't, this is a bit much, guys. Which one did you pick? I just picked Standard. That's fine. Because I'm not a rube.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any fancy options, but uh, yeah, it was played on like four or five screens. It's, it's hard to mm-hmm. tell because it doesn't break them up by screen when you're looking at the times, it just gives you a list of times. But... Yeah,
1: it's like you got to tell by how many groupings there are yeah. within like half an hour. And it's like, all right, those are all the screens kicking off at once.
0: Uh, notably, you know that had like, you know, maybe six screens or something like that, and then like Transformers still has two, uh, mm. a couple of hours still have two, and I noticed Flash is down to just one already. I just I can oh, no. I, I can't help but notice that, that that's already down to the one screen.
1: How tragic! Isn't that like is that not already on Max? Can I not already <laughs> just buy that?
0: hey be careful they don't just delete it from history to get tax dollars back True. i don't know if they could do that after a theater release but if they can they might try they will (laughs) they will do anything for tax dollars yeah so yeah i I do think the runtime feels a bit bloated it feels like it's kind of taking its time in spots Mm -hmm. when i think you could just and i wouldn't even necessarily cut out any big chunks i i I just think you could condense some of it into a tighter edit and probably get it down a good chunk just by doing that
1: i mean i i don't want to no spoilers or anything like that but as you were saying the boat scene that was strictly to get the second mcguffin i think that entire sequence could have been cut down at least to like 30 percent of what its current runtime is because there's just
0: a lot of extra fluff in there there's a lot i mean the hell even so, there's a moment where they go diving in the water looking for stuff and it's, like, mm-hmm. a good, like, few minutes of just diving and looking and there's, like, uh, whatever. And, mm-hmm. like, all of that did feel like, I don't know if we need a lot of this. They,
1: they specifically point out, like, we are only allowed to dive for three minutes because of, like, oxygen stuff. They point out three minutes. And even if it was only three minutes, it still felt too long.
0: Yes. <laughs> Three three minutes in a movie feels like a long time though. Like when you're watching yeah. a movie, you know, like if you have a single shot that lasts three minutes, you'll notice that when you're watching it because it'll feel oh, yeah quite long. Um, Absolutely. I suppose one thing we can talk about a little bit here as well uh, is I don't think it's a spoiler to say that in the opening flashback there is de aging going on. Uh, yes. That that was one thing I also knew was coming to some extent before I watched it. Uh, I I figured it
1: would be just because.
0: I I know Disney, and I know they couldn't resist. They'd
1: be like, well, we have to. If we're doing something that's set almost in the 70s, we got to get those core fans in the opening. Clearly, that's what it's going to be.
0: Well, that, that was the thing is, uh, I said this before, but like, I can't believe how close this movie setting is to when Raiders actually came out now. It's yeah. only a decade away. It's 11 years between them. It's, it's nuts. But, uh, yeah, so the de-aging here, like... Uh, the positive side of it is that it is probably the best I've ever seen it. Right? Mm-hmm. It looks convincing. Some of the time, not all the time. There's definitely. I mean, obviously, they have
1: reels upon reels of footage of him at exactly this age. True. Much helps. Just sitting in
0: Lucasfilm, yeah. yeah. Which does help. Um, but he, you know, like it was a sort of thing where you got away with it for like a couple of moments, but. This obviously this big section kept going and there was an action scene, there was tons of it. Eventually, there was moments where it just felt like his face didn't quite feel attached to his body, or just little moments of like just disconnect. That's the mm-hmm. visual problems with it. The bigger problem with it, actually, right away, was that his voice is yes, his current okay. voice, and it yeah. stuck out like a sore thumb.
1: Which is so weird to me, the fact that like the big thing right now, if you just look on like almost any suggested videos on YouTube, is AI voices. Like, that's the thing that, like, on a consumer level, we've managed to just figure out. And they just decided to put 80-year-old indie voice on this 30-something-year-old indie. I think...
0: See, I'm I'm not a big fan of this de-aging in general, and certainly not of, like, AI de-aging voices. Like, if you get into mm-hmm. a situation where an actor dies, like, when they're almost done shooting a movie or something, right. I'm like, okay, you know what? Finish it by any means necessary, whatever. And that's just an unfortunate circumstance. But I kind of like the, and obviously Harrison Ford is very much alive, but there's examples in like Star Wars and stuff of like resurrecting actors and putting them in the movie with CG and stuff like that. And I do do think that we have this problem in Hollywood of like franchises always coming back and they keep milking things over and over again. And Mm -hmm. at least for a while, I thought, you know what? At least when all the actors are dead, they either have to do a full reboot with new people playing those characters, or that's it. They have to accept that it's over. And yeah. all this AI tech is just like sneaking in like a little demon in the corner being like, ah, I wouldn't be so sure about that. You think that something as
1: paltry as death can <laughs> stop the mouse? Actually, How dare
0: you? I got the trailer for Expendables 4, and the tagline at the end of that trailer is they'll die when they're dead. And... This is making me realize that's not true in Hollywood. No, absolutely <laughs> not, not anymore.
1: <laughs> it's so weird when that's going to be a like because wasn't that a whole thing with I think it was Back to the Future Two? Is that they used Crispin's like likeness without his permission, and so they oh, sued yeah, off it, of that.
0: It's a it's a big thing that's happening uh, now. Is that. Mm-hmm. You're seeing actors saying they're turning down roles because there's clauses in the contract that say, and part of your agreeing to do this role is that we can use AI to add in extra lines without your yeah. th- knowing. And if I'm an actor, I'm like, no, F you. I am never giving you permission oh, to yeah. add dialogue that I I wasn't willing to say. Never, ever happening.
1: I I would love to see the movie where like somebody films to be like a hero of the story or something like that. They go to see it. Turns out they're a Nazi.
0: Yeah, yeah. The entire yeah. time. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I think it's, a, I mean, obviously this is a whole interesting discussion that could be had separate from this movie, but it just, mm-hmm. I was thinking about this a lot. If I honestly, one of the critiques I would have of, of this is that, while it may be the best it's ever looked, the first like, minute of this de-aging Harrison Ford on screen, I didn't hear a single word anyone said in that scene because I was too busy just looking at his CG face and looking for the yeah. cracks.
1: Yeah, it isn't, it's something that's going to get better with time. Where we'll we'll become more and more used to it, so we're not. It's the same sort of thing of like CGI. You know, you go back to the old movies. As soon as that first CGI figure pops up, everyone's like, "Oh my god!" And they're barely even paying attention to the story. But nowadays, we just accept it as okay. Yeah, that's.
0: <sighs> yeah, I, I, Parma doesn't want to get used to it though. I I don't want to reward them for for this because I I you know fundamentally they've tried it enough times now. And yes, it's gotten technically better. Absolutely, it has because techni- technology is always going to get better with these things. But mm-hmm. like, I just like I, I would like it to always be seen as kind of like a you know a black mark it, on the the review score. Yeah. You know, like it's always I mean, something we're going to look at and say, you know what, that still sucks. I don't care.
1: I think it's eventually going to devolve the same sort of way as CGI heavy movies and CGI free movies have, where one of them is viewed as slightly higher art. One of them mm. is viewed as just slightly more, like uh, true to what cinema should be, whereas the other one is more just blockbuster. It's and a stuff pro- like well, that.
0: it feels like a product. Uh, you know, yeah. when, when I'm watching this like CG face and they're they're doing scenes like this, I feel like I'm not watching a film. I feel like I'm watching a product. And mm. obviously, films have always also been products. Like they need to make money. there's no one's denying that. But yeah. there's a difference between that and it just being. And this is a problem I've had with everything Disney's produced for the most part for the last decade at this point but yeah um yeah so that was it's worth bringing up we'll move on from it now because you know people get sick of us talking about that specifically mm. uh but I did want to mention it. um is there anything else to talk about before we dive into spoilers that you'd like to to mention
1: um can't
0: really I mean if
1: if spoilers include even that first scene the no I don't really have anything else
0: to add on to it no i i think we can yeah we can just get into the spoilers then so um which honestly like usually you can sum up at the end of the spoiler free section like how much of a recommendation it kind of roughly is and i would say like not really
1: i i'd say because we all know this is going to be on disney plus within the next three months you can wait like, it's not a big deal. You can just chill it, out.
0: It, it's a safe nostalgia sequel that at least has a couple of interesting ideas, but it's still bloated and overlong and still suffers from a lot of the problems that those do. Um, yeah. It's not going to rock your world. Um, is it better than Crystal Skull? Yeah, I, I would say mm-hmm. it probably is, but like that's not yeah. exactly a high bar to to jump over.
1: <laughs> has it managed to not be a stain on the entire franchise?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so spoilers then, for, for Dial of Destiny, from this point forward, you have yeah. been warned. So, yeah. Um, okay, I guess we'll just start at the start. Uh, we start yeah. off uh, at the end of World War II. Um, things are, you know, wrapping up.
1: Which, I one thing we talked about was, during our reviews, is, oh man, how cool would wartime indie be? Being able to see him going up against the Nazis, like, as the... At, like during the war and disney heard us
0: <laughs> they gave us a little bit of it they gave us yep. uh, the tail end of it where i actually there's actually one little detail in this opening section that i did really like which mm-hmm. is that the actual thing that's important which mad mickelson's scientist characters so he's dr voler right yes uh, and he cares about the dial of destiny right I, i'm going to call it that because i can't be arsed remembering it's like real name but that's what the movie's okay. called so that's fine Right. Yeah. So he's after the of Destiny. He thinks that's that's the more interesting thing. But Hitler doesn't want that. Hitler wants this fancy spear thing. And very quickly, like both him and Indy realize this spear thing they found is just a fake and it's not real. But that's the one the Fuhrer wants, right? And I, I mean,
1: do you, are you are you aware of the spear? Are you do you know what this is? No. Was is it? it is, so when Christ died, to make sure he was dead, they stabbed him in the side with a spear. And it's always been said that whoever has that spear can, like, rule the world. Like, that's an oh, actual... Oh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard that. that.
0: I just did that, that was this spear. Yeah. Um,
1: that's the spear of... Actually, strangely enough, the name it goes by is the Spear of
0: Destiny, so... I've definitely heard of, that. I've heard that. Yeah, I've definitely heard that first. A I, bunch of destiny but things no, in w- this movie. What I liked about that, though, is I, I just like this idea, like... It, Sometimes it can come across poorly if you make fun of things from the previous movies, but I actually do like the joke that Hitler doesn't really know anything about this shit. He just wants mm-hmm. the things that sound cool, and this thing is just a, a lot of bollocks, and it's no use to him. And the real thing um, is this other contraption.
1: Though it is pointed out that the, um, the spear that they have is a replica. Like, it isn't the actual so, yeah, real spear. There, there could be a real one yeah so it could be we're not we're not saying that that one doesn't exist but the one they have on this train is not it
0: if if they ever do like uh you know phoebe waller bridge like takes over the reins i don't think they will because the movie's not made that much money uh i th- <laughs> i think this will be goodbye to indiana jones for quite some time uh based on the opening weekend box office because uh, yeah. they spent as much money on this i believe as infinity war um
1: yeah, no, it, it, it's the number 13th most expensive film of all time.
0: Yeah, and it is not doing 13th most successful movie of all time numbers. Nope. <laughs> so uh, I suspect that they will be, you know, like, I'm sure it will do okay, but it's not going to make back the investment. Uh,
1: no, probably not. It's not going to
0: make Disney money. No, no. Uh, which actually, speaking of the start of the movie, uh, we were speculating how they transition from the Paramount logo. Yeah. So, I want you to walk you through my thought process as this was happening, right? So right, yeah. first the Disney logo comes up and I'm like, oh, they're actually... And I thought, are they going to like transfer to a castle or something from the Disney logo to, to mm-hmm. make that work? And then it went to Paramount second. Oh, Paramount are still involved. Oh, great. So they put Disney first so the Paramount could transition into the into the mountain or whatever it would be. Same thought process. Right? Yep. And then the Lucasfilm logo came up and I went, wait, you're not doing the transition? Are you yeah. mad? This has been a tradition since the first movie. And then the Lucasfilm uh, logo transitioned into the lock on the back of a truck, and I went, that's a bold choice you've just made there.
1: (laughs) I think that that they had a preparation for anything, because one thing they specifically pointed out is that this entire sequence in the opening scenes was in the Alps, aka very big mountains. (laughs) I think that they probably filmed an intro to work with any of them, and they were hoping to get the Paramount to work out, and it just couldn't. Which, the fact that Crystal Skull managed to get it to work out, and Disney and all their money here, having their logo finally in the front of the movie of this one, is like, nah,
0: just just fade it with whatever, who cares. I don't know, it's so weird because Disney own Lucasfilm, so you think that they would be happy enough to have their logos go first, like Lucasfilm was last time, and you would think Paramount would want the tradition because it's, it makes their logo memorable. So if they yeah. were like, no, we don't want to be last, put us before Lucasfilm, then that's on them for being idiots. Paramount Par- pulled a mustache clause. The, lo- the, on the Lucasfilm one is so stupid, though, because it's literally just a rectangle. They could yeah. have they could have transitioned to anything with that. I, I could transition from the Marvel Studios logo to that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just... It's funny. Uh, so... Yeah, the starts it off at a castle. They try and kill Indy. There's a whole big sequence here where mm-hmm. an American missile, like, comes in when they're trying to hang Indy. Uh, yeah. And he ends up dangling when after the bomb goes off and there's all these, like, holes in all the floors underneath them. And, you know, it's a big set piece. It's a big thing. Um, like, can I really just
1: point out in that opening scene, the bomb goes off. Mm-hmm. All the Nazis are caught in the explosion. Indiana Jones is just rocked by it. <laughs> he's fine he's cool they're all closer to it this is this is the moment where he decided like oh wait a minute i'm explosion proof get me in the fridge
0: to, no, to be fair i think the like i'm not saying this is scientifically going to pan out but I'm, i think the logic in the scene is is that the explosion takes out the floor the nazis all fall through but mm. indy ironically is saved because he's hanging <laughs> by the neck I I
1: get it. I understand it, but I wish they would have made the explosion a little less fiery in that that's, case, that's fair. because
0: that engulfed him. That's no, that that is completely fair. i just I think that's the logic of the scene. All right. Uh, Toby Jones is his friend. Uh, this mm. this is the character we have to retcon in to explain why he's got a connection to this young woman. So Toby Jones is his friend in this this uh, time period, and yep. he gets kidnapped by the Nazis as well quite quickly uh, after running through the forest. Indy steals a like a, a nazi's like coat and like impersonates an officer and ends mm-hmm. up having to drive some nazis for a bit because he, he he jumps into a car and then some other nazis get in the back and tell him to go so he's just yep. kind of playing along uh which is you know I, so but it all they all they're all going to this train right they're, the nazis are trying to escape with these artifacts so so voler's mm-hmm. on the train who all the nazis that are in charge are on the train and Indy gets on the train as well, after a little bit of antics with the car and some machine gun fire. Yeah, uh, Honestly, yeah, this actually was a few minutes because there's a whole bit here where he jumps onto a bike that's got the sidecar and the mm-hmm. sidecar, like Gunner, tries to turn the gun to shoot at him, but he just kind of like holds it out the way kind of thing.
1: This is This is the first point where I really feel the difference in how the action was done. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's very much quick cuts, very close to the action. It's very easy to get disoriented. And that's kind of where I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be different uh, this whole time.
0: Yeah. Cause the problem is with these types of effects that they're using here is that, if you don't cut away quick, our eyes will start to notice why it doesn't, why it isn't real. (laughs) Like, it is that, which is why the action in the original movies, especially Raiders was so impressive because it was Mm -hmm. a stunt man jumping and hanging off of a truck and you know, whatever, or climbing on top of a submarine. Like all these moments felt spectacular. Um, Which is why when he jumps onto the train and he's running along the top of the train, it's just this little CG figure you're like, oh, this is just lame. Like, yeah. you know, I'm watching a cartoon right now. Uh, so, yeah, but there's a whole thing. And uh, as much as I'm, I'm critiquing how long this entire like 1945 section goes on. I will say that some of the antics on the train are actually quite fun.
1: Uh, oh yeah, no, I think that this sequence, the train sequence, does what I like from Indiana Jones, which you've already established, which is they give you the setting. And then they explore every single possibility with it.
0: Yeah, because he's going down the train and he encounters like two Nazi, like, you know, rookies, you know, two, two young mm-hmm. soldiers who are guarding the artifacts. And they immediately like give him a seat kyle and he's like, oh, ah, yeah, I'm in charge. But he doesn't say anything because right. that'll give away that he's not actually not. And the great thing is he walks in and he kind of like pretends to grill them in the, you know, for like, drinking booze in their coffee or whatever he sort right. of, he gives them the evil eye and he just casually picks up the box with the artifact in it and turns around and this is like a fun little reveal where that's when they notice that there's a bullet hole in the back of his jacket a and, bloodstained bullet hole yeah so he's probably not who we, we thought he was and you know mm. a fight scene kind of but it's it's got that comical nature that those early because even raiders had yeah. that sense of humor and i think that that plays here in this scene Mm-hmm. Um, no this
1: this sequence does a good job of harkening back to the original like style of it, like I said, it had that idea of give up the give us a setting and then do everything else but there's also uh very shortly after this he runs into Matt Nicholson character and does the whole thing of putting the hat in front of the face and then throwing a punch yeah and it's it's all those little tiny callbacks where it's not overly indulgent like the young Indiana Jones bit, but it is still calling back to these ideas that we have from the previous trilogy.
0: Yeah, I think, obviously, this is the nostalgia section in a lot of ways, but I do think it does a decent job of, like you say, creating a situation that feels like it's of those movies and letting it play out. And some of the ideas are genuinely quite fun. Obviously, what lets it down is that every so often, you do notice that it's a CG face on Harrison Ford, and you feel that, and you can feel the disingenuous nature of it. And it's just something that, like... I. Like, as good as it gets, I think there'll always be just a slight disconnect with this stuff. And yeah. it's, you know, And I, I think, even when it looked good, when it cut to a real person's face and you know, when it cut to Toby Jones, there's just like, yeah, it's not as good as the real faces. It's just, it never will be because it's a real face with real pores and just the real detail that's in there.
1: I mean, I do think that we will get there. I just don't think this is it. I think that this is... They they did their damnedest, and they always say... Because, I mean, this entire sequence takes place at night. We keep Mm -hmm. him in very dark areas the whole time. They did everything they could to mask the issues with it. They know their limitations. But I do think that... It's a far cry
0: from uh, Tron Legacy, which I just watched for the first time recently Mm -hmm. with the young Jeff Bridges. Oof, that that, that does not look good.
1: Absolutely. But that is... That's what I'm saying, is that we will keep on improving, and eventually I think we will overcome
0: that uncanny valley effect. But it's just not there with this one. Yeah. Uh, so there's a whole fun little bit as well where he hides in the 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 canteen car, yeah. the, the, the train, and he kind of hides. And the generals who are looking for him walk past them. So there's this that magical thing where they've actually crossed over. So they keep going the other direction, looking for Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones ends up making it into where the generals were. And his friend mm-hmm. Toby Jones is like, you know, being beat up and. It's like, hey, the Dial of Destiny here. We should take this. It's like, yeah, let's do that. Uh, which does not make Mads Mickelson happy. He's very upset about no. this. Uh, so we get a whole big on top of the train sequence where Mad Mickelson goes up and he's got a gun and he's like, give me the, the dial. And they're ducking because there's a tunnel. So, which is very, mm-hmm. it's very both. The two things that made me think of were speed and the first mission impossible because they both have oh, yeah. there was, train scenes like uh, that.
1: I got a trailer for mission impossible dead reckoning part one. one yeah dead yeah. reckoning part one in front of this movie and they had the thing with him crouching down yeah. underneath the tunnel in it and i'm like oh okay
0: but of course i, guess, I mean i don't like the keep, thing i don't like he harping on this but that's a very good example in comparison because the reason why those mission impossible movies are still working is because it's so focused on stunts it's so focused mm-hmm. on actually doing some of the crazy stuff as much as they can You know, they will actually dangle Tom Cruise off a high building. And Tom Cruise says he wants to keep doing these movies until he's in his 80s. Um, He shouldn't. There should definitely be a... a, I thought Dead Reckoning Part 2 was meant to be the final film, but now he's kind of like, oh... Oh, come on. No, don't do that. Now he's like, oh, I don't know, I kind of want to make these until I'm dead. (laughs) You can can watch back that
1: clip. Watch back the past 20 seconds. You can see the lightning from my (laughs) eyes as you said that
0: good lord so we'll, we'll see where they go with that but yeah so they get this action sequence and maz mickelson actually gets hit with like the traffic light on the side of the train yeah which so he's he's dead he should be like. dead <laughs> he's not but he should be dead
1: yeah
0: uh, um so that's all fine and well uh and the whole sequence ends uh dawn's just a bit calm and Indy and toby jones like jump off the train out of the water and you know that, that that's because well,
1: they're they're on a nazi train and they're like oh hey it's the allies wave to them and then all of a sudden the bridge blows up they're like oh yeah, right,
0: they're shooting the nazi train naturally uh, there is kind of like a again there's another fun little idea here where there's a gunner on the train and the gunner like gets hit or whatever and that, that gun mm. sort of like turns completely to the right and because the train's going around a curved bridge as the train's going around the curve, that gun's just mowing down like the train. Like all the Nazis, yeah. and
1: they've, they're they they're climbing on the side of the train to try to get to Indy, so it's just a sh- shooting gallery, all yeah. of them just taken
0: out. And, you know, if there's anything we're okay with in movies, it's killing Nazis. Yeah. right. I'm okay with that in reality, <laughs> too. <laughs> that's that's fair. Because that's the thing, there's there's a moment later on in the film when he first sees Mad Mikkelsen again, and he's like, wait, I know you from somewhere. And, like, two seconds later, he's like, He's a Nazi, <laughs> yeah. And every and everyone in the room who are not necessarily all, you know, morally like, like they're all shades of gray because they're at like this illegal yeah. gambling slash auction house thing, and they all just turn and go, "Wait, he's a Nazi? We're not, we're, we're not okay yeah. with that." Yeah. Um, and then it's like a minute later, brother, you sh- you shouldn't have went to Poland. Line mm-hmm. comes up, which was which was very funny. That was a good line. Yeah, um, I'm all for the shitting on Nazis. That that's definitely one thing they have Harrison Ford doing this, and it it works um so after this we cut to 1969 we cut to where harrison ford is now and he is a grumpy old man falling asleep watching tv
1: now now (laughs) before we get too deep into this i want to remind you how we ended crystal skull for people who didn't watch that who are only coming in here we ended crystal (sighs) skull with him getting re like married to Marion. they have a son mutt who he was
0: picking up the hat to really clearly was, imply was going to do
1: it he was about to put it up and he had just gotten the associate dean position at i think it's like oxford like crazy good college
0: yeah oxford or cambridge or so. yeah it's one of those yep
1: so then all of that happy ending all around fast forward 15 years what's happening
0: so this is the th- so this is the this is the problem with doing a seat let well, see last crusade was meant to be the final one they literally yes. rode into the sunset then they come back and do crystal skull and what can we do to give it a happy ending you know what he'll marry the true love of his life the love interest from the first film that everyone likes the most we'll mm-hmm. give him a son who might be able to take on the legacy blah 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 and that is an ending that was definitely meant to be the end of indiana jones and yep. we're doing it again so what do we do this time? You have to take all that happiness away. Mar- mm-hmm. Like At first I thought Marion was just going to be dead. And I thought, okay, that's sad. But it's not like, it doesn't ruin the happy end of the last one. Yeah. Just one of them had to die first. That's just, you know, that's life. But mm-hmm. then it's like, no, no. They're separate. I was like, oh, why are we doing why are we doing this? We've got divorce papers uh, on the counter. It's not that
1: this has already been dealt with. It's that this is happening it, right now to him.
0: And it's what it's why so what I was alluding to earlier It's none of us like Mutt. None of us like Mutt Williams, right? He 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 sucks. Right? Yeah. But on principle, it still bothers me that a character who was introduced as a main player in the last film who potentially was going to be like the new lead character to maybe take the the franchise on whether or not that was yep. going to happen it bothers me when you have to write out characters really awkwardly like this because it just mm-hmm. feels like like maybe maybe they didn't want him to come back maybe this was a, a choice rather than shia labeouf didn't want to but regardless it yeah. still feels like that maybe it still feels like they just couldn't have him rather than because it was a choice even if it was
1: yeah it it's Obviously, there's no point in the story that was told, there's no point where he could have shown up. No. Maybe just like a tiny little cameo or something, but he's never going to be plot relevant.
0: Well, honestly... That being
1: said, hold on. That being said, I think that they did a decent job of at least trying to work it into if, Indiana Jones's motivations ev- and goals.
0: Eventually they did. It, eventually. it took a long time, but eventually it, it got did. there. Honestly, I think if... <sighs> See, this is the thing. even if it was a creative choice it still feels annoying because it's like you're admitting that we didn't like that last one so you're like retconning to fix it and get us back on track and that equally just makes it feel like a messy franchise to me because we're having to like you know course correct oh
1: yeah you know it it makes me feel like a messy franchise but at the same time I'd rather they do it than just like force it because that's the thing they could have easily have left it be like oh yeah no mutt's fine he's right over there we're yeah. just not going to care about him but they went the extra yard to say, "No, he's gone, and she won't be coming back." <laughs> and that's the sort of thing where it comes into like, maybe you're playing a bit too much to the fans there.
0: Yeah, it feels a bit fan service in a weird way. I, I think you could have done this with Mutt. I, I, but I think if you do it with Mutt, you basically swap out uh, Helena for Mutt. I, th- I think you, which is the issue is that yeah. it, it just
1: didn't work that way. Is that yeah. it had to be Helena here because otherwise Mutt wouldn't have learned anything at the end of crystal skull he wouldn't have been like the son who went back well to yeah school, but we just things.
0: talked about how they took away all the happy things so i i don't think they would have been beyond giving Mutt like a oh no now he's he's got a bit of a bad boy streak and that's what to part of the arc is going to be because that's, that's what fair. helena's character in this is it turns out she's not this goody two-shoes like wannabe archaeologist she's actually a bit mm-hmm. of a a plunderer and, like, auctions things off in the black market, you know, she's got a... Indi- Indiana Jones is an archaeologist. She's a grave robber. Yes. Um, and he does whip out the line, something belongs in a museum. He says that a couple times to her. This is, like, four times. Yeah. In this. So, so that, that's where we are. I mean, I think the mutts death thing doesn't come up till a, a, a little bit later, but the marrying divorce does come up in this scene where he wakes up. It, it
1: comes in basically right at the start of the second arc, um, or second act being set on a television and it's very easy to miss it it's only once
0: he actually dives into his emotions that we get the full confirmation yeah yeah um so yeah which actually because so they said Mutt signed up he enlisted right and mm-hmm. it, that's what you know, led to his death and i was thinking are they, are they going to specify what because like I, I guess it probably is just vietnam but if it's vietnam yeah. that's quite recent because that's like that's like what? literally 69 we're we're in the middle of that <laughs>
1: yeah you know absolutely i mean there, there's at one point in this movie the war is being protested alongside of this yeah, astronaut is. parade so I, I
0: do think it's interesting that they didn't bring it up more like if the war that got his son killed is actively still ongoing you think that would be more like on his mind like you know that yeah you know i don't know again
1: it, it, there's there's a point in here and we'll get to it briefly but there's a point in here where i feel like they touch on it. They just barely, like, rub against it. But then they're like, okay, that's enough. enough. Let's get back to the action.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think... Before we get into all the adventuring, I think here's a good time to just talk about what I think the movie... is. Well, nah, because I need to talk about the ending, so maybe I'll just leave that. (laughs) I'll leave it for now. All right, so... It introduces to this this new Indiana Jones, or I should say, this old Indiana Jones, uh, Mm -hmm. this new old Indiana Jones, who you know he's got noisy neighbors who are young and he's like banging the broomstick because he's mad about the noise he's drinking they're playing
1: the beatles way too loud yeah
0: he's drinking uh for breakfast he does go in and teach a class still but obviously he's in new york now none of his students mm-hmm. seem to care and this is a, this is fine build up because this is setting up because if you remember that first movie they were all you know attracted to him all the girls were yeah. all fawning over him but now they're all bored. now he's this old man who's a bit grumpy and they're you know they're, they're, they're not entertained by him <laughs> his
1: his entire class gets basically shut down by a group of students rolling in a tv to show the astronauts coming into town like yeah no one cares about his old stuff it's all about this new age space stuff
0: yes uh, to quote jurassic park um i think we're out of a job don't you mean extinct that, that's kind of the feeling you get with uh, indy's profession yeah. in this um Absolutely. so
1: one thing one thing that is worth mentioning in this particular scene though because it comes up in a big way is that they specifically talk about this siege of the romans against the greeks and how archimedes was there and it's this whole huge battle that's this big turning point in history
0: yes yes yeah that comes up uh but you know we see we see what he's like with his co-workers they're giving him like a a, a clock they've all pitched that and bought him this fancy clock as a as a mm-hmm. retirement president because he's going to retire soon. And they film this little party. Uh, and, of course, there's a little laugh afterwards because he just hands it off to a homeless person when he walks outside the yeah. building. Um, which I actually... This moment on, it's just mildly amusing. I actually think there's a nice payoff to this, uh, which is a little bit later when some of these people that he works with are murdered in cold blood by the Nazis mm. and he finds their bodies. I actually think his reaction to that worked really well because it was like, okay, he hasn't really wanted to socialize with these people. He's a... You know, he's a Commerge whatever. whatever. Yeah. I think... Like, I'm not saying he feels guilty for not being friendly with them when he sees that they're dead, but I think their death, like, just hits a little harder because he kind of dismissed them in his life. So, or in their life, I should say. Um, yeah, that's fair. You know, I just, I thought it paid off a little bit that he cared about, like, reporting their dead bodies and, the, you know, his, his bloody handprints on the phone. Like,
1: I, I, I think it, it more so hits for me because they died because of him. If it wasn't yeah. for the fact that he was no, there, true. Yeah, then yeah. it wouldn't have been a thing. And he's like, well, oh, God, like, these people were so kind and no, now they're dead no, because not, of me.
0: Let me dispute that. Technically, no, it's nothing to do with him. They died because uh, Helena decided to come. <laughs> right. However,
1: if, if I'm Indiana Jones and I've lived my life the way I have and mm. a bunch of people start shooting guns in my place of work, I'm going to assume it's me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think there's a sense of responsibility. I think it's like, I don't think he's thinking about that clock in that moment but i think for the audience the way he dismissed the present they gave them as a nothing thing and mm-hmm. now they're dead because of him i think it actually i think it's a smart little bit uh oh yeah you know mm-hmm. this this script is not very economical with how it writes things <laughs> i think this is like a little economical point that's made so that we feel the, a little bit more for the, the show don't tell yeah so credit where credit's due uh mm-hmm. but helena comes to see him turns out that she is toby Jones's daughter and he was obsessed with finding the dial of destiny and that it could Be- uh,
1: because i guess the story was when they fell off the bridge they said that they lost it in the river down beneath yeah. despite the fact that i'm pretty sure we're shown that that's not
0: true yeah well i don't think it's necessarily a surprise to us that it was a lie okay fair enough yeah because uh, I, I think um because I mean, we also we, we were saying this a lot earlier but this is only half the dial of destiny technically right. there's a there's a second half that no one has found yet mm-hmm. and she's there saying oh i'm doing this dissertation for my doctorate blah 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 uh you know and i, I think i can find this dial and you know like we knew where it fell on the river we could go back and look for it couldn't we and indy's like all right fine i'll show you that i've got it in secret right so you'll mm-hmm. not go looking for it uh, but it turns out that she's kind of playing him a little bit. She was expecting this and like, but it does lead some really bad people uh, after. So around this time, we're also introduced to the fact that voler um, and this is something mm-hmm. that actually happened in history to some extent, uh, was, was the idea of, pro- no, the idea of ex Nazis who were basically mm. recruited to work on things like NASA. Um, that's something, so, you know, that, that's been documented. Yeah, that
1: was called a uh, project paperclip. Was yep. the oh very good official name?
0: Yep, very good. Uh, but he uh, he he's actually got a really interesting. Uh, I think Mads Mikkelsen is obviously a fine actor, right? He's mm-hmm. and I think him as a villain is better here than Kate Blanchett was in the last one. Not because he's a, not because the performance is is necessarily better, but more just because the character actually feels like more of a like mm. he's got a goal. He's got a direct goal that he's trying to accomplish. The whole he time. has pathos. I yes. feel
1: his inner yearning to get this done.
0: There's a couple of good lines from him because he he's got room service and he's been like guarded uh in this hotel. Mm-hmm. Um and the guy comes in, notably it's a black man who's like serving him his food. Um and the, you know Voller turns and says to him, uh well he says something else first, but he says, like, you know, did you serve you know in the war? Yeah. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I did this, you know, I was helping Normandy or whatever. And he's like, mm-hmm. Oh, are you enjoying your victory? And the way he says that just sounds so evil. oh god this is a great (laughs) villain introduction scene right like beautiful yeah that was the first of two lines that i really liked from was that and the second one was you didn't win the war hitler lost it and i'm like damn that's like and obviously later on we realized that he thinks he can do better Was basically Mm -hmm. what he's building up to but um like i I just thought that like it's told me so much about him so quickly yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's it's a great villain introduction scene.
1: I didn't see any problem with how they uh, brought him into this and just said, like, yeah. I mean, yes, we saw him earlier, but this is the first time where he is on his own accord. He's the one, more or less, calling the shots. And so to have him give this little borderline monologue of why, like, oh yeah, no, I'm 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 totally going
0: to do evil things. Although, although no, works. nobly... uh voler here is not aged as much as indiana jones has. <laughs> okay so can i
1: call that out i was gonna get to that so he i mean what age would you say he was in the flashback like probably same age as indy yeah around 30s, uh, maybe, like yeah. 30s. Uh, i mean yeah
0: i guess he looked in uh, i guess they slightly de-aged him a bit but not to maybe. the same extent obviously yeah
1: and that's the issue is that when we get to modern day he looks at least 15 to 20 years younger than Indiana Jones. And it is a problem. I was very, because like, I thought that that was going to be a thing. I thought throughout this whole movie that like, he's I, like, maybe he is taking some serum or he's got some magic stuff or he's doing something. But no, he just looks young. And it, it was honestly distracting for me for a very long time.
0: He so, just for the record, Mads Mickelson mm-hmm. is 57, so he is about 20 something years younger than Harrison Ford. Just for the and
1: he looks it, I, yeah, I, think no, that's he does, fair. yeah.
0: Like, I, I'm not if anything, he's actually even slightly older. I thought he maybe he was early 50s, so he's actually yeah. uh looking good for his age. Congratulations, Mads,
1: which is a problem though in this plot, yeah. Harrison Ford does not,
0: <laughs> well. Harrison Ford looks good for his age, I would say. He just, he's not supposed to be that age in this. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's reasonable. I, th- I think he's an 82, 83-year-old man, whatever he is now. He looks perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: he's fine. It's just for, like, Indiana Jones, if they were if they were the same age on the train, at the very least, we can say they were not 25 years apart on the train. I think that's fair. That's, yeah,
0: that, that's absolutely fair, yes. Yeah. I-, I could buy that Voller's maybe supposed to be like, 10 years younger on the train, maybe. Right? That's fair. You know, if if you wanted to stretch it and say that's what he is, then that's fine. But I... Mm-hmm. yeah. But we're interested... So there's a lot of, like, players introduced here. So voller has got, like, a big henchman dude who's, like, almost comically bulky. And then he's yep. got what I'd call his main henchman, who's the moustache guy. <laughs> I mean, in terms of hen- henchmen, he's got the muscle and, like, the rat. Basically, like, yeah, he's got them. Pretty much the archetype. And then some red shirts, obviously, as you, as you typically yep. do. But so it seems like mustache man works for you know someone but then there's a mm-hmm. black woman who's called uh, mason and she's like following helena when we first see her like she's sort of mm-hmm. like tailing her and she's tracking things down and it feels like she's working for voler and that's why i specifically pointed out she's black because i was like why is this black woman working for a nazi but as it clears <laughs> it up as the movie goes on she is working with him like she's from the cia and she's working mm-hmm. with him because the president or the CIA are allowing him to pursue this style of destiny be- is like, basically a thank you for, like, helping get to space because he worked on that. Yeah.
1: Like, he apparently was the main dude who did the entire Apollo thing. Yeah. And so, they are just letting him do whatever he wants as a, yeah, no, you got us to the moon before the Russians. But
0: as... <laughs> Here's a million dollars. But as his men start to rack up a body count and she's clearly not okay with that, eventually Mm -hmm. all this is like, yeah, okay, the US is not really okay with you doing all this now. Uh, As it turns out, when Nazis are in the public, we're not so
1: okay with it. Yeah. So.
0: So, yeah. Which leads to him saying, well, that's fine. I'm on my own now. And then they just, you know, like, it turns out mustache man's on his side. He, well, Mm -hmm. he is an American. He is, he's all for becoming a Nazi. So. Yeah. That's 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 what we've got here. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So when Indy's showing her uh, showing Helena the dial, that's where they come and they kill some of his coworkers. There's a bit of an action sequence here where he ends up like kicking over all these like shelves in the room. Every movie he destroys so <laughs> many priceless artifacts. That's a good point. That, this is the archive room, so there's probably a lot of like valuable I mean, things a... in here.
1: It's a smaller, like, New York college. It's not Oxford, but I'm assuming that they have some things worth something there. They had half the dial in one of them.
0: Yeah, but I wonder if that's just him hiding it there, because it's like a... You know, oh, yeah.
1: It was that it, it was hidden underneath an Arrowhead collection. Yeah. Nobody was going to check that out.
0: Yeah, so... Yeah, and this leads to a big chase sequence. This is, you know, if you've seen the trailer, you know there's some scenes of Indy on a horse. This is where that happens. Mm. And it's played somewhat for laughs you know because they actually kind of like put a bag over his head and take him into a van at first but he's able to get away from that because the parade yeah. kind of interrupts the route and he ends up in a horse which leads down to the subway so there's a lot of like jumping out the way just in time of the subway train which mm. is fine enough but i will admit my logic brain did kind of get in the way of this a little bit because i'm like i don't buy that that horse isn't freaking out with these loud trains like going right past them
1: i i agree i think that this was a police horse so maybe it has like some extra special (laughs) training
0: loud noise and stuff yeah
1: maybe the thing that got me though during the sequence was the fact that he ran down into the subway for the sole purpose of escaping these people on the platform he ran down the tracks to the next platform and they're already there waiting for him so what was the point of that entire sequence because it's only then he hops onto the train itself before they can get on, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I've left
0: my horse." I got to fill the action quota, David. That's that's what I'm I saying.
1: guess. But that's that's one of those things where it just felt like too much. You could have cut it by an extra thirty seconds there.
0: Yeah, the visuals of him running through the parade on the horse were fine. Like, they, I mean, oh yeah, it definitely had that like that that sheen to it where it's like obviously a lot of this is digitally recreated because it's mm. you know you're recreating the city and the, the but. This, I may be right in thinking this might have been shot in Scotland, this scene, funnily enough. Uh, uh, I don't know. With Glasgow doubling for New York, which doesn't really matter because they've covered it in so many, like, old-school, like, American flags and, like, businesses right. and stuff anyway.
1: Look, as soon as you've got red, white, and blue confetti coming down, you're in America. Yeah. It doesn't
0: matter. <laughs> that said, though, they did have uh, the, 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 the marching band at one point were doing some Scottish bagpipes uh, music. Oh, I noticed wow. that. Yeah, that's
1: just... Part for the course for anything in new york it seems like there's a funeral there's a wedding yeah, it's yeah. always just
0: bagpipes is, uh, one thing it's just funny so to that, me how much scottish and irish like stuff specifically seems to pop up in oh, yeah that part of the u.s well
1: that's because ellis island was there whenever the immigration was happening everyone just showed yeah. up right there yeah because old line um,
0: sangs a scottish song amazing grace mm-hmm. i think it's irish you know like there's a lot of mm-hmm. bits of that heritage all sprinkled in
1: yeah one thing I did want to bring up, though, is that during this sort of he's being taken in by these CIA agents slash Nazis, um, he's brought through the middle of a anti-war protest. And in order to kind of just like rile people up, he starts he starts a chant of like, hell, no, we won't go sort of thing. And it gets everybody all riled up so that he can make his escape. This is where I felt like it just touched on that anti-war sentiment of this thing of his son went and died at the war, and, like, he could have gotten, like, actually somewhat passionate about that and, like, understanding these people's cause, but they just never touched on it.
0: They could have also, like, done a thing that, like... you, You could have, like, had a running theme here where part of Indy's arc for the film is that he's frustrated that he can't do something about the Vietnam War, and that's the war that his son died in. He can't do anything about that because it's this complex thing where... Quite frankly, the Americans aren't like the good guys necessarily. You know, it's a lot no. more shades of gray that war, and that's why mm-hmm. those people protested it. Obviously, if you did something here where like it was almost a relief to him to just have a Nazi f- like go after because that's a yeah. that's a, that's a villain, that's a bad guy. There's there's a clear distinction. I can just go after him. I can mm-hmm. like that's someone I can punch in the face, and it's, I can. It's
1: reducing the shades of gray down to an easy black and white.
0: Yeah. And you could have played with that, that, that. Maybe that's like part of what appealed to him about continuing this adventure at, at several points when he probably should have not <laughs> continued the mm-hmm. adventure and just like went to the police or got out or, or whatever it may have been. Yeah. Um, because that's the thing. He's, he's seemingly framed for the murder of the people that he worked with uh, in yeah. passing, but like. It doesn't seem like it matters that much at the end. Like so, somehow that's just cleared up at the end. They never, they never explain how he get Like how it, you know th- they solved this.
1: Yeah, it feels like that same sort of thing at the end of Crystal Skull, where it's like, oh no, everyone in the U.S. government thinks you're a commie, but <laughs> you get back and it's like, all right, who cares? I forgot Whatever. about that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, so, Sala comes in here uh, and like picks him up yep uh so it turns out he lives in new york now and this is joe felt like to me it felt like well we already uh uh, marion in the last movie is there another original character we can bring back for nostalgia (laughs) and sure enough uh this was the one they they got john reese davis uh uh, the retirement home and there's there's a
1: pattern in these movies if indiana jones is fighting
0: nazis sala has to be there joe that's a good part you're right one three and five you're yeah. right. Okay, okay, not bad. Um, I do think his presence works actually by the end, though, just in terms of uh what I think the movies try to say at the very end. But mm-hmm. um, obviously, you you can be a little cynical if you want to be and say, "Oh, this is a nostalgia pop." Um, I think that they
1: included him enough in the movie not to obviously he wasn't like a sidekick or anything yeah, like yeah. that. He was just he was kind of just there to push the plot along wherever it needed to. But I think it was. There was a scene immediately following this where he picks up Indy and takes him back to his house. And it's basically showing like, you know, him and it seems like his grandkids yeah, at he's this got, point. Yeah,
0: he's, got, he's an old man, so yeah.
1: Yep. And they're they're living in this like this tiny apartment and they're doing that stuff. And it brings back that sort of imagery of them out on that luxurious rooftop in Egypt and like how how well they lived there. And it again, I feel like it just kind of puts in that theme of We've outlived our time. We've gotten to the point where it's things are getting taken away from. I us I mean, Salah Sala
0: even kind of says, you know, he, I'll go with you, Indy. you know, I miss the desert, yeah. I miss the sea, you know, I miss the adventure, I miss yeah, waking up the next day and seeing what the adventure will be. Um, so I think yeah, that theme is definitely there a little bit, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But I think sadly, this is the I think this is where the movie transitions completely into yeah. what I'm not that fond of in it, which is basically this up until the ending <laughs> like, yeah pretty much
1: like, There's, they, they make a quick little dip into it uh, as they have that emotional opening up scene on the boat but everything else
0: besides that is just yeah action yeah uh, because you know he, he's going to Morocco because that's where Helena's going to try and auction off because it turns out she didn't even care about it she just wanted to use it to make money yeah uh, she's in debt and
1: this is a way to get out of debt
0: yeah and she has her own short round who's introduced at uh, this part mm-hmm. of the film um, who is very very capable at a lot of things by the end of this yes uh,
1: i mean to be fair short round was pretty capable overall but this kid just yeah takes that oh, and bumps oh, it up oh, a little oh. bit
0: yes but short round at least when the show is short round driving a car and he's a kid you're like okay mm. that's weird and whatnot but i'm assuming that he has learned how to do this this movie specifically points out that this character Whose name I can't remember? Teddy. Teddy, thank you. Has never flown a plane before. Because that's the thing. Later in the film, Helena's like, hey, (laughs) can you fly that? And I thought, oh, he must have done flying lessons or something then. That's why she's asking him that. And then he's like, I've never flown that type of plane. I've never flown any plane. And I'm like, why would you ask someone who has never flown a plane if they could fly that?
1: So there was one scene, and I do think this is a problem with the movie. I am agreeing with you. But there was one scene. (laughs) When he's very, very first introduced, he's got like a makeshift like cockpit of dials and stuff like that. And he's talking to a pilot saying like, "Okay, I've done this, this and this. And the pilot's like advising him on what to
0: do next. So it shows that
1: he is at least extremely interested in this to the point of knowing
0: Uh, what to do. I, I did not remember that by the time I got to those later scenes. But I will say that does not absolve anything I just said. No, it does not. It
1: does not. Because it came up that one time for 10 seconds and then never came up again.
0: Like, I I, I have a hard time believing he would even, like, get it moving, let alone taking off into the air. I mean, we'll get to it. It's a whole thing. So, yeah, there's this whole thing, you know, Indy shows up, and he's in his outfit now just Mm because this is his traveling outfit because we have to show him in his outfit for the trailers and we already had him not in his outfit
1: <laughs> for the horsey well,
0: here's the thing like i think there is an idea that towards the end that i can kind of justify why he gives him his outfit here and i'll bring that up later but mm. he's in his outfit and he, he sort of crashes this auction and sure enough mads mickelson crashes it like a second later and we get yeah. our exchanges that we've been talking about about the you know you should have stayed in new york you should have stayed out of poland fun stuff and then they do kind of mm-hmm. their callback to the you know the indie with the gun and the sword joke yep. which their version of it is is the indie pulls out his whip and then every single person in this plays all points a gun to am and you know that's mildly funny it's all right yeah i enjoyed
1: it i think um the biggest problem is that that shot as soon as the whip thing happens, leading to the guns, that shot kicked off what felt to me like 25 minutes of solid action yeah. without any sort of breaks.
0: Yeah, because this, this evolves into the the chase with the I believe they're called tuk tuks, the little old vehicles. Got me. I'm sure you called it that at one, but I think I've heard that before, so I, I think I, right. confirmation bias maybe, but I, I think that's what they're called. Mm. Uh, and yeah, so like, in fact, they try to ditch him at one point a horn or short round. And yep. like, but he ends up catching up to them, and they end up in the same tuk tuk again. Uh, a big part of this is that her ex fiance is mad at her and is chasing her down because you know she pawned off her engagement ring, and he wants her back or something. like there's a... there is no
1: reason for this goddamn plot like i just dis- the more this plot kept coming up because the whole thing is that it's not just a one-on-one chase scene where they are chasing down yeah. Voller. it's they're also being chased by this guy who like seemingly is head over heels in love with i'm for some reason i'm blanking on her name despite the fact i just said it. helena uh helena yeah head over heels in love with helena to the point where he seemingly is trying to make up with her over the course of this chase scene, rather than kill her, but he's still also trying
0: to kill her. Well, to be fair, and, one of his henchmen shoots at her, and then he like, grabs a gun and says, No! So he doesn't, want, yeah. he doesn't want them to shoot at her, even though that's their base instinct, is to right. just start firing.
1: <laughs> it's, it's such a... And then like the entire thing ends because, oh, these places have very narrow streets, and at one point they go down an alley and his car gets stuck, whereas their tiny tuk-tuk can make it through. And it never resolves past that. No.
0: Like, that's the end we ever see of him. It never... Yeah, like, he's introduced just so we could... He's well, I guess it's two things. We can have this chase scene and have more comedy in the chase scene. And mm-hmm. I guess the second thing is just to further establish the type of character that Helena actually is. Because, you know, her... Being at this auction was kind of the reveal that she's like this type of person. She's not just this yeah. innocent archaeologist character. And this is saying, oh no, she's a bit of a scoundrel, almost like Indy was. You know, the way, because you know, Marion always complained that Indy broke her heart and just ran mm-hmm. off. And that's kind of showing that, that she's kind of like that too. That This guy's yeah. kind of like her Marion, just with more, uh, like, you know, attachment Blair. issues. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say,
1: I don't see Marion doing this, but fair enough. I I guess for me, it's an issue of I saw it more as, okay, they're chasing down the Nazis. that's their thing. They don't have any immediate danger upon themselves in chasing down the Nazis. So I felt like it was more so a function of the plot of how do we get them to also constantly be looking over their shoulders for this entire scene? It felt more like it was a necessity of action than it was of story.
0: Yeah, because obviously, when he left the scene, Mads Mikkelsen got his hands on this uh, half of the Dial of Destiny. Mm -hmm. Uh, But of course, that's when the subject of where to go next comes up. And that's, you know, it's like, oh, she knows about where there might be, like, the, 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 the MacGuffin that leads to the other half.
1: The knife. The dagger. It's not a knife or a dagger, but it's, it's the not. exact same thing as yeah, so it's just, Rise of Skywalker. It's just a tablet,
0: dagger. basically, with, like, yeah. uh, scribbles on it, uh, with a code on it. it.
1: They call it the graphicos, which there apparently the whole... So I guess let me just give the basic of this real quick. So way back in <laughs> the day, old ancient Greece... Oh, is this history uh,
0: time with uh, David? No, no,
1: I'm just saying in the part of the movie, oh, okay, how this okay. works. So there was Archimedes. He made a dial to, like track the planets or whatever but he decided because of some mystery thing that we'll get to he decided it was too dangerous and he broke it in half the romans wanted it and so he hid it from the romans and he made a national treasure style riddle on a tablet to say okay the one half of it you already found whatever the other half of it is hidden in this totally riddle like you gotta break all these codes and ciphers and stuff like that and it will reveal the resting place of the second half. This tablet is the thing that they had decided, well, my dad knew where this tablet was because he's such a smart guy, so we're going to go rent a boat and dive down to the bottom of the sea to go get it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not renting a boat, technically, because Indy knows it. Because at this point, Helena wants to just sort of leave him out of it, and he's, Mm -hmm. at this point, for whatever reason, Indy's adamant he wants to be involved, and he's saying, hey, I know a guy in Spain or wherever it is uh, hmm. that that's got a boat and it'll take us. Turns out to be Antonio Banderas. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he'll take us out there. And so, like, yeah, they become this unit where the kid's with them now and hmm. they're going out to find us. And yeah, they have the heart-to-heart on the way where he opens up a little bit about how oh, the marriage broke down. Because they're talking about the Dial of Destiny. At this point, they're being more open about how it can predict fissures in time and she she raises the question like if you could go back and change something what would you change and he says you know i'd stop my son from enlisting and mm-hmm. uh because that not, not only did it kill him but it also that death led to you know the the marriage like breaking down um, and yeah. that you know marion was unconsolable and he was detached and didn't know how to like console her you know like mm-hmm. it, was, it was like okay okay you're giving me some some solid things here about like the status quo of like your emotional state all that stuff. Yep. Um, that's all fine. I want to come back to that at the end because I I, I can't really analyze yeah, it, this until we get to the end. That's the
1: thing. This entire plot regarding like his marriage and yeah. how he feels in general about the world is entirely ride or die on the last scene of this movie.
0: There's there's some good ideas and things we'll talk about right at the very very end. But yep. for now we uh, we're going diving. <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
1: they establish that, okay, it's deep enough that you do kind of have to worry about the bends. but if we use this guy's patented method of go down for three minutes and come right up, the bends just will forget to go after you. And so they go down into this ship because it is a sunken Roman ship that they've reasoned out has the other half of it.
0: No, no, and, no, 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 It has the MacGuffin. That right, leads right, sorry, it has the... It.
1: Yes, it has the thing that will lead to the other half of it. But the part that gets me the most in this entire sequence is that when they go down, Antonio Banderas specifically turns around and says, oh, by the way, there are eels down there. And then Teddy chimes in with eels, huh? They sure do look a lot like snakes. And then Indiana Jones faces like, why? What's wrong with you? Well, kid? no, Indiana Jones oh, immediately just goes,
0: no, they don't. Which, yeah. which did get a big laugh in my theater. Like a lot of the old people who were there a lot of people who were a similar age to Harrison Ford started laughing yeah. at that line. Uh, I mean I
1: for me I appreciate the line. I understand what they were going for but in the terms of nostalgia sequel when I view it through that more cynical lens it's like you guys couldn't fit in a snake scene so you're Actively putting this in to replace the snake scene, and then justifying why it is still technically a snake scene.
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, all you really want is Endy reacting to the possibility of a snake, right? That's yeah. fundamentally it was the kind of get just by him suggesting they're kind of like they're water snakes, effectively. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think. I think when we were talking about Temple of Doom, there were like eels being served at dinner, and we questioned whether or not. Mm. Indy would have freaked out over the eels. Turns out, yes.
0: Yep, yep, that's fair. Uh, Mm. So they go down, and sure enough, when they come back up, uh, or even on the way back up, they see there's another boat. So when they come back up, sure enough, the bad guys are there, Uh, Mm. which which is one of the running things in this movie as well, is the bad guys do keep just just popping up wherever the good guys have went. And sometimes it's really like, because at the end of this boat sequence, when they've ran off with the tablet and they figure things out, like, yeah it turns out because it looked like helena was for money telling everything mads mickelson wanted to know she was giving him all the clues and all that and it turned Mm -hmm. out she did but she kind of interpreted them incorrectly to lead them in the wrong direction and mads mickelson being left stranded on their old boat looks in the binoculars and says they're heading east not west and somehow they end up in the exact location very quickly that was the
1: I was they you saying that they keep on showing up somehow. I feel like they justified it pretty well throughout the movie of explaining like mm. here's how they managed to come to the same location. This is the first time where I'm like they must have added this in post cuz there's no way that this
0: makes any damn sense. It just kind of like okay, so they're going in the other direction, but there's still a lot of places in that side of the planet. You know, there's Believe a of... it or not, you
1: go far enough that way, you end up on that way. Like it's a whole thing.
0: <laughs> so it's not I mean it's a small thing, but it just it's, it stuck out to me It's like a weird little moment. Yeah, but yeah, the, the whole thing here is that it seems like you know, Indy's refusing to translate the tablet because none of their guys can do it. But mm-hmm. Helena chimes in like, I'll do it for a hundred grand but obviously she's just stalling, she's just buying time. She's mm-hmm. got dynamite in her pocket to, to use, which they did show she's a rational person. They did show her finding the dynamite. Yes. Earlier on in the boat. So, you know, it's not a, it's not like a weird out of nowhere thing. Um, mm-hmm. That's right before she flirts with what I'm just going to call the red shirt who dies by the eels in the in the water.
1: Did he die by the
0: eels? Well, it wasn't the eels. I think he died because his line got cut when they were swimming back. Yeah, up, they but, cut his oxygen. But I think the eels yeah. might have ate him after he. Oh, went yeah, down. I'm sure. They're voracious. Yeah. So, so whatever uh so they go to i think it was, was it sicily they went to after this
1: uh they went to the archimedes tomb
0: in sicily yeah yep. so uh it's underneath like a, a landmark so there's tourists everywhere so they're just killing time during the day um mm-hmm. i noticed there was like multiple scenes in this movie and it was annoying because it was making me hungry where helena would got like street food and was just eating street food it's like two or three times where and it always looked kind of good like it always looked like yeah. some sort of uh, rap or some kind of i don't know some local thing but yeah, they always looked good. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I made sure I'm very bad whenever I go see a theater movie and that I finish my snacks before the previews are even done. <laughs> so I made sure to really pace myself, and luckily I still had a couple left every time one of these eating scenes happened.
0: It's the sort of thing where either like I didn't, I I, I held strong, but I, like there was a lot of fast food places near the cinema, I could have very easily yeah. went and devoured something, and I didn't, but I could have. Good job. So, yeah, um. Unfortunately, though, the kid, uh, Teddy, just runs into Mads Mikkelsen. He just goes round a corner, and Mads Mikkelsen's standing there in silhouette all ominously. This is the
1: part of the movie I like to call contrivance. Where, <laughs> yeah, okay, sure, why
0: not? Well, this was the thing. Like, see, when they were like setting up even before they went on the boat and they're like, okay, we have to go find this thing. I thought they were setting up the thing they were going to go find that would be like the final act of the movie. So when they mm-hmm. found the thing, it was like, no, this is leading us to the next thing that's actually the thing. So this entire sort of like the boat stuff and then all this stuff here and even get into the tomb and going to find the other half of the dial. All mm-hmm. of this was where I was really feeling the runtime. I was really feeling it stretched out here.
1: I agree, however... Once they started, like, solving the puzzles from Archimedes of, like, the water displacement stuff, that's mm. where I was all in. I was like, the, okay, yeah, we're, okay, we're yeah, going down I mean, in the tomb. I'm enjoying this.
0: But that, yeah, that's, like, that's after a long build-up of going through caves what? and, you know. But that's
1: that's also the issue that I had of, as we'll get to it. This still isn't the end. Like, yeah. We still keep going. If this were, like, building up to the final set piece, and I'd be the, like, yeah, great, cool, but we still keep going.
0: And not to mention, because they're trying to beat the Nazis to where this tomb is, there's another car chase segment where they steal, like, a, a car of like someone who just got married because there's all the little things at the back, you know, the, the cans yeah. and stuff. So we get another big driving scene, So, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's like, arguably maybe a little repetitive at this point, given that we've already had... You know, the horse chase in the city, we had the tuk-tuks before Morocco, and now we've got this driving scene. We had,
1: we had the motorcycle in the opening. Got, oh, well. yeah, sure, yeah. Um, I think it's because car chase, like, car chase is one of those things where Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford does not have to be there. You can have anybody <laughs> just building in. So it's an easy, quote-unquote, stunt to do to build up the action that doesn't actually require him to do anything
0: well yeah i think it's less that it has to be there or not be there as it is just oh this is something that his character can do while he's just sitting down and therefore it's not unrealistic as such compared to you know leaping right. and jumping and climbing and there's
1: a there's a point when they're making their way through the cave where he's just like clinging to the edge of the wall and helena's like you you good you you haven't moved in a while and he's just like I'm thinking about how I have these bolts in one leg and these plates in another and I'm climbing up this thing. And I'm like, yeah, why are you doing this, Indiana Jones? This seems a bit out of your element.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they get to the dial, right? It's obviously it's in the skeleton of the the dude. Yes. They they get a dial. But there's a couple of things they notice. Now, I want to point out, I want to return to something that's been coming up recently. As we were saying, early on they said fissures in time. This is what Mm -hmm. this thing predicts and then you know what would you do if you could go back and change something so because i'd heard it makes big swings in the last 20 minutes like immediately i was thinking okay we're going to time travel the question is is where are we time traveling to and i had a few different ideas obviously this scene does imply some like so this scene like the skeleton's wearing a watch which shouldn't exist Mm -hmm. in the time period this guy comes from and also the the carvings on the side of the crypt have propellers in them, which also yeah. shouldn't exist in this time period, which definitely implies that some time traveling goes on and he sees some things or even gets some things that he shouldn't have had, which is fine. Yeah. But there was a period where I wasn't necessarily thinking they were going to do the obvious thing of just neatly tying those things, which it ultimately does, where... Literally they go back far enough to beat this guy, he gets mm-hmm. a watch, and he sees a plane, so he has the propellers, right? Lord. Right. Whatever. But there was a uh-huh. moment where Maz Mickelson's got all the bits together and they're going on the plane and he's doing all the thing. And then Indiana Jones points out at the last second as they're flying towards this fissure, which is the eye of a storm, and Indiana Jones just starts yelling continental drift continental drift he wouldn't everyone's like
1: oh oh geez he's having an episode
0: (laughs) these numbers are off these numbers are off because so yeah i mean we're here now Maz mickelson's plan is to use the dial of destiny to go back to 1939 and take kill hitler and take over as the leader of nazi Germany because he thinks he will succeed and he won't lose the war and Partly because uh, he has, like, you know, advanced knowledge of better, like, you know, explosives, nuclear bombs, yeah. things like that that they didn't have <laughs> at the Even time. Even just
1: the strategies. Like, he yeah. knows, like, what D-Day would be.
0: He's he's easily but able to do that. I think he specifically says, though, that he's going to upgrade their missiles because, like, yeah, he knows mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, more missile tech from the future. Yeah. So, okay. Wait, so, so, on, before, before, no, no, fine. Go right. ahead. So that's his plan. He wants to go back in time to that specific time period. And when Indy starts yelling, Continental Drift," your numbers are off, Wherever we're going, it's not 1939. There was a part of me, and I'm not saying I wanted this. I'm not saying this would have been a good choice. Mm -hmm. But part of me genuinely thought that when when they went through this time vortex, or whatever you want to call it, this naturally occurring thing, by the way, this is not something the dial creates. It just knows to send us to where these things happen. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I genuinely thought they might pop out in present day. Like, it was running in my head where I thought, holy shit, are they going to, like, show up? In like present day New York City, and see all the newer buildings. Are they going mm-hmm. to like witness something? Is Indy going to see? I don't know. Like
1: okay, so <laughs> so just to go back, just to really go back here. Um, this was hinted at throughout the movie because they had one of the uh Basil's notes mm-hmm. showed two dates, one of which was like August whatever nineteen sixty nine, which was a couple days away. And the other was August, whatever, 1939. Yeah. And so with that hint throughout the thing, we're like, okay, they're talking about time fissures. These two dates are right next to each other. One would lead us to assume that we're going to fold up a piece of paper and stick a pencil through it and say, this is how this is going to work. But I, same as you, the moment that he started yelling about continental drift, immediately my mind was, okay, he wouldn't be saying it just in terms of plot. He wouldn't be saying it if it wasn't about to affect them yes so either they're going but i had three options in mind way way back to the past because obviously we had archimedes in his tomb wearing a watch at which that which turns
0: out to be exactly what happens yes which
1: does that seemed the most obvious to me the second one and it was like the moment that like they really started panicking and stuff like that that i was like same on you i think we might be going back to Like present day, I think we might be setting that up. And immediately my mind races with those options. But then the third option I had was, okay, well, they keep on saying that, like, it's just a few degrees off. It's just a tiny bit off. Mm. So I was thinking maybe this is instead of it putting it in like 1939 of, you know, right when Hitler's rising to power, it's instead going to go back to like right when Temple of Doom was happening and we were gonna just loop back 100 on indiana's full adventures
0: you thought we might do some back to the future part two style like we're in the yep. other movie yeah okay yeah that that definitely was a possibility that they might do for ultra nostalgia just stuff. full pop off you have um, them
1: you show the exact same scenes and he's just creeping along in the background uh,
0: alternatively maybe they would have paid off like the the thing by actually having them like by accident ending up like when Mutt was still alive and you know i didn't know if shyla was going to have a cameo i mean it was possible yeah uh, who no. knows?
1: i mean that was that was the one thing i did know about this movie was that marion was going to be in it yeah or at least she was on the cast list and yet she wasn't yet so i was like well i don't know what i'm going to be missing Yeah, maybe
0: on. time travels how we get to her somehow yep
1: and i was one the moment they were saying like, the first off, the moment they brought up time fissures, I was already just shouting in my head, like, time loop, time loop, time loop. Like, make it come full circle. Make this the beginning of yeah. Temple of Doom so that it, it's just a whole thing, an Ouroboros.
0: I will say that the clues on the crypt of, like, someone has gone to the past, like, I, I was a little disappointed where it just became, like... Because th- these are the, the tried-and-true tropes of any time-travel movie, is you put mm-hmm. in a seed like that, and then later on you pay off how he gets these things. But it's so just, like, straightforward with this one. There's the Like, he literally has a watch, uh, like a, mm-hmm. a present-day watch, and he has, you know, obviously his propellers are on the thing. I kind of hated that it was just as simple as they go back, he sees the plane, and he picks up the watch. Like, it's, there's, like, nothing interesting to how he actually gets those items, other than the fact that they've travelled back in time.
1: Okay, so... One thing that I want to bring up here, and we'll bring it up more as we discuss how this scene plays out, yeah. but they bring up this idea almost immediately as soon as they land. Because once they come out, they're in the middle of like a siege. They're in the middle of that battle Yeah, the Romans Indians just yeah. talked about. The uh, siege of Syracuse. So the Nazis, having their plane be fired upon by these catapults, start shooting people. And they bring up this concept of, we're messing with the past mm. like is this back to the future rules are we gonna go to the biff tan and future now like is this gonna be
0: an issue i mean i didn't think i i didn't really think that really just because we're solely into this movie that there's no way we have time to resolve right stuff like Same. that <laughs> but,
1: yeah. and, but that, i was thinking like is are we are we gonna do a thing where we're gonna come out of this and it's going to be A slightly different future, a.k.a. maybe one more Mutt survives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe just tiny little changes to make his life better. But then this movie goes full tilt in that somehow they could mess with the past, or at least they think they would be messing with the past if they, like, did more things there. But also Archimedes still had the watch and the propellers, which means that this past already happened and we're in, like, a stable time loop.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, but ba- basically it's saying that Indy and co were always going to travel back and do this, right? right? This was always exactly. part of the timeline, yeah.
1: Which means however this plot ended, it was always meant to end that way, which, I mean, let's just talk about what happens while they're there so I can fully explain my feelings
0: uh, on that. I, Well, I will say, I, I guess the, the two things to talk about first, uh, one mm-hmm. small thing, I actually really did enjoy... Just how much Mads and the other Nazis were panicking when they oh, realized yeah. when they realized it wasn't where they were supposed to go, and then when they actually see all this stuff, and like Mads Mickelson's like shit, like we're not where I want to be. We have to go back. That portal's going to close. When they're mm-hmm. panicking, and then ultimately just like crash and die. In fact, one of them even gets one of the big spears like just like through them. You know, yeah, uh, it's
1: gruesome as hell. Yeah.
0: Like that that was entertaining. Like watching these Nazis realize we we're, we're effed. Was actually really it's, entertaining.
1: It's even better because in going there, they got into full cosplay. Oh yeah, they're they all wearing they outfits. Out yeah. So you're seeing like actual Nazis. Yeah. Get impaled. It's
0: beautiful. It's great. Um. So that's the whole thing. And of course, this is where uh, on the little plane behind them, and this is really mm-hmm. just to justify how Indy and Cole get home after, because obviously the big plane that the Nazis were on is destroyed. Is mm-hmm. that we have to have a second plane come in, um. So that's why the kids fly in this other plane and after them, mm-hmm. just so those are waiting for them to get home. Which is really funny. Like before we even talk about what happens or whatever, I do think yeah. it's an interesting choice that it just cuts to oh everything. Like I thought there was going to be like a like a oh it's closing, we have to just make it in the nick of time kind of scene, and yeah. there, there wasn't any of that. It just cut no. forward to when they're already back. But hard cut. We're done with the plot now. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So I guess that the big topic to bring up though here before we mm-hmm. even talk about the specifics of what happens because that's where we're going to get into like the actual what i think the director really wanted to do with this movie right it's yeah. just how do you feel about them doing time travel at the end of an indiana jones movie in the same way that the last one did aliens by the end right how do you feel about the time travel
1: so i mean just flat out i think it's too much I think if you you've literally now had Indy conquer space and time like it's just a bit too much that being said I enjoyed it like I once it got to that part I realized like all right they're they're just going for the cheap pops here I'm just going to enjoy it I'm just going to close off the part of my brain that's going to be like oh well Indiana Jones and the last crusade was so much more toned down than this I'm just going <laughs> to be like no we're just having fun. Let's just enjoy it. And I did enjoy it. But coming back to it, talking about it critically, it is way too... Like you were saying, it's a big swing.
0: It does, a huge swing. Because it's, it's not like saying that something might happen or something could happen. It was just... Because there's even a scene earlier on, and it may even be the scene where he talks about Mutt a bit, uh, where mm-hmm. he's saying that, you know, he seen. He doesn't believe in the supernatural, but he has seen things, you know, uh, yeah. that he can't quite explain. And i'm like yeah i'm glad you said that ended because like you you have seen some shit like over the the at least the mm-hmm. you know the like hell the last movie anybody you have seeing a ufo rise up out the ground and fly yeah. off into another dimension like you, you've definitely seen stuff okay mm-hmm. so it, i
1: did i did like how um I, I in the kingdom of the crystal skull like we said that it went too big and it was just like too much all thrown in there at the end what I think really could have helped this scene in the way that they structured it. I mean, obviously it would have had to change the entirety of the ending, but mm. what really could have helped this to make it feel like an older school, Indiana Jones film is the bad guys make it through the portal. Like Indy doesn't stop them. They make it through the portal, but nothing changes. Like everything's still fine. And they're just like, Oh, those guys, like they miscalculate continental drift. And therefore they just are lost in time. I think that would have been a fine enough gruesome ending for, wrapping it up and making it still feel old. But because Indy's along for the ride, it would be the same sort of thing of if Indy was still in the spaceship at the end of Yeah Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where it's like, oh, okay. We're just going all the way.
0: So there is one element to it that I think kind of works thematically, is that when Indy wants to stay, there is something yes. to, to the idea of, like, he's literally going to live in the past with all this artifact stuff that he's been pursuing his whole life. Like, there's something to that thematically, which we'll get to. Yeah. But i will agree that i think it's probably too much and well indie's always had some pulp to it um i think you know like i say i enjoyed the nazis getting you know killed and the plane crashing mm. i enjoyed some of the antics that happened because of it but it absolutely is just like taking indy from a like the wildest possible the mysterious like these things that can be somewhat supernatural and yeah sure you see the Ark of the covenant melt off some faces like clearly these things exist there is truth to mm-hmm. what they're doing but at this point like you say it's like he's done so much and like he's he's like so many fantastical things at this point that mm-hmm. it just it is like okay you've you've done time travel and not only that when it's all over and you're back home again afterwards you're not sitting in shock that you've traveled through time and came back again it, it feels like ah it was another day at the indiana jones office you know yeah. it just, it, it's just it's It just doesn't feel big enough. Or it feels too big, but then not big enough when they react to it.
1: Right, yeah. It feels like it should be a huge deal. And yet all the characters are like, yep, Tuesday. Um, For me, though, I think my biggest problem, and I think the clear dividing line of what is too much and not enough, is when they broke that link of they started with mysticism. They started with things linked to religion and belief and spiritualism. And then they moved over to sci-fi. They moved over to, oh no, like mathematics and physics will help us explain this. And I think once you try to put these explanations on it, once you make it where there is a clock that can predict that there are fissures in space-time, it kind of loses something. I, I think it, it benefits it more from when, even once Indiana Jones fully reaches its peak of, like, he finds the Holy Grail. He finds mm. the Ark of the Covenant. There's still this mystery to it it's of we the, yeah, don't understand
0: it. It's still the unknown, the force itself is something that can't just be explained. It is mm-hmm. like you say mystical is the best word for it. Yeah. Meanwhile,
1: we literally met the man who made this clock that can predict <laughs> yeah. time fissures. Well,
0: it turns out he wanted to actually have someone from the future find it and come back and help so with mm-hmm. like, knowledge so they could win this war they're currently fighting with the siege. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, damn, that's like, that's a lot to ask of, like, whoever's going to stumble through that portal.
1: Yeah. Is it? It's, it's kind of, kind of a, um, a bit, even if it would have worked, kind of a big ask of how much is really going to be able to come through and help you fight off this Roman legion.
0: Yeah. Also, it's lucky on his part, though, that the miscalculations of Baz Mikkelsen led to exactly where he wanted people to come to. Mm hmm.
1: So that's... No, genuine like again, when I said we entered the point of contrivances, we never left.
0: Yeah, that, that, Like we're still true. in the contrivances. So the big thing here though, um, is that Indy decides he's not going to go back. He's just gonna stay here. This is kind of wondrous, he's been obsessed with all these types of people and like things mm-hmm. his entire life. I'll stay here. And Helena is trying to convince him, No, you have to go back. This is not your time. You have to come back to you know the future. And he's yeah. like, For who? And i was like is this gonna actually do this like ballsy ending to his story where he gets to live in the past with all these things i thought i wanted him to maybe it will no here's the thing i actually like the. i like how this actually ultimately plays out like these last few minutes of the film i actually quite like for the most part which is she makes the choice for him by punching him and knocking him out right and that's Mm -hmm. when we cut to him waking up again and he's got bad because he got shot at one point randomly during all the action Okay, and,
1: actually, no, that is
0: something I need to bring up. He was shot blah, blah, in the heart, blah, 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 and he
1: keeps going for forty-five.
0: Whatever, minutes. whatever. The way sidetrack. Let's, let's stay on this. All right. So he wakes up, and he's all bandaged up, and he's coming up, and in comes or she. I think I think Helena's already there with Teddy, and then mm-hmm. Sala you know, eventually comes in with his grandkids, and eventually Marion comes in as well. Right. Yes. And I think what even before they walked in, though, I think what I liked about this, like Helena making the choice for him and forcing him is that I immediately got what it was trying to do, what the director was mm. actually trying to like get out of this movie, which is that this is a man who basically doesn't feel like he's got anything to live for anymore. He's just kind of like going through life. You know, like We see him drinking for breakfast. We see him not really connecting to anyone. He feels like a relic. And he thinks he, you know, he's lost his son. He thinks he's lost his wife. All these things. Mm-hmm. And he's basically... Like, this is basically a suicide. Like he, He's basically saying, I want yeah. to commit suicide because I have nothing to live for. And it's someone who cares about him who has to, like, force him to keep living. Like, out of kindness, you know, I mean, obviously she punches him. But it's someone close to him who has to step in and say, no, I'm not letting you self-destruct. I'm taking you back with me. It's someone showing compassion for him. And Mm -hmm. I actually like, like that as an idea. And I got really sad as soon as I had these thoughts as I was watching this play out because I was like, i wish the whole movie felt like it was building to that like right and this is where i was going back to that scene with sala giving him the whip and the hat because the way i can actually contextualize that given this ending that i think actually does really work is the idea that his friends and family that still care about him that are around him are trying to make him become him right they're trying to say hey no you're still indiana jones so be in mm-hmm. like you're not this broken down old man you're still this fire's still in you we want you to feel alive again be indiana mm-hmm. jones and it really came full circle for me when marine comes in and she says uh salah said that you're back so are you back and obviously mm-hmm. i'm thinking john wick yeah people keep saying i'm back well i'm thinking i'm back <laughs> right but that, that but that's what made it click for me is i'm like this whole movie should have felt like everyone else around him was trying to make him be indiana and it's not because part of me was thinking for a while and i think i was wrong for thinking this i was thinking does this work? Because I don't really feel like there was a point where he decided that he was like feeling the passion again. But yeah. I think it actually works that he doesn't because I think the point is is that he isn't feeling the passion. He never truly believes and like wants to like be himself and live for himself again. And I think that's, you know, that's the ending where she's, where Marion comes in and it's kind of cold and awkward and she's like, well, so are you actually back? And I, you know, that ties into their marriage. Like, because the implication we've had so far is that he couldn't console her and I think the implication from her saying "So are you back?" is saying the reason why their marriage devolved is is partially because he did lose who he was. Like he became mm-hmm. this colder version of himself, and he lost to. So I think in part when she says that, she's hoping that he's himself again because she does want to be with him. She doesn't want to, you know, just be yeah. apart. Um, and then it does make. And I'm glad we watched them all and they've run up to this because I would not have like got the reference that they make for the sweet yeah. moment. Which is, she says, you know, it doesn't hurt here, and then he kisses that spot. It doesn't hurt here either, and then he kisses that spot. That's, mm-hmm. of course, a callback to that one intimate scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, on yep. the boat in that movie.
1: Practically a throwaway scene in that movie, but really, really comes back home here.
0: It really, really comes back home here. So, this ending was like, do you know what? There's actually a really poignant. Th- and this is even this is the funny thing. It's not even about him being old. Like the old, the themes about him being old and a relic are definitely in there but this yeah. particular point you could do this with any character of any age oh it, yeah it's about a character who has lost the will to live and was ready to give up and it's the people around him who say no we're not letting you do that because we care about you and then ultimately right. him realizing you know what over the course of that journey i did find myself again i'm indiana you know effing jones <laughs> like <laughs> you know and the idea that the people around him are trying to like push him into it and saying no you can be this again this is who you are this is why we love you like and i think if the movie really actually like felt like it was right. focused on that for the entire time and i and i do genuinely think them going out of their way to have traditional indiana jones style action and adventure scenes it got in the way of what the actual interesting story of the movie was which was this
1: yeah, for sure i mean that's that's i agree <sighs> wholesale i think that it is the core of the story is a man who is just basically trying to find something to live for. That's the whole point of that one line. And I think that lines things up is he's like, you need to come back with us. And she, he just says for who he yeah. has nothing there left to live for. This is, this is at least his passion, this thing that he cares about. And he wants to stay back there in the past, but it isn't something that's in the future. That's waiting for him. He has nothing there anymore. I, Agree wholesale that that's a really solid theme, but that's kind of the reason why I wanted it to end the other way of him staying in the past is because I don't feel like the movie did that. And I feel like it mm. wanted to, I feel like it had these aspects to it that could have been explored so much deeper with that. But once you get stuck in the pe- I think the biggest problem is that you were saying that he doesn't really feel like he wants to be Indiana Jones. That's what this entire plot revolves around meanwhile i just watched 2 hours of him being indiana jones i watched him diving underwater i watched him getting into gunfights and whip fights and chase scenes it didn't feel to me like he didn't want to be there it felt like th- like we're told that he didn't want to be there it, after
0: the fact it's a simple thing but he should not have put that hat back on until the ending like he yeah. he should he should have put the hat on after they had a romantic moment to symbolize Wholeheartedly, like, and that would have justified more why we saw him in full costume and the extended, like, opening flashback. Is like, mm-hmm. you're like, if they had balls, they would have never put him in the outfit for the rest of the movie no. until and it
1: works so much better, yeah.
0: Until he symbolically puts the hat on at the very, very end to say, you know what, I am still Indiana Jones. Like, that would have meant I'd something. Even, I'd even be okay
1: with him putting on the hat, like, as I uh, there's two points one, when he starts doing all the puzzly bits in Archimedes 2 not so much there but it would have worked the second part is when he is making his speech at the end there when he's saying like i want to stay and he puts on the hat Then, if that's the first time that would have been perfect
0: yeah. i don't know why he would have it on him though there like the whole time but As... never wear it until that point whereas if he's back in his house uh it makes sense that it's there because <laughs> it's just back yeah, home um, that's fair because the movie actually does end on a shot of him like taking the hat off the clothesline out the window mm-hmm. And but the problem is this is the this is like the seventh time in the movie you've done like a hat moment so
1: yeah they just kind of felt a work. bit hollow
0: yeah I, I didn't really like that part of it but the actual romantic moment and the, the the general sentiment that it was going for with them at the end I actually really liked I just wish the rest of the movie felt like it was attached more you know wholeheartedly to that
1: what I mean it would have kind of gone against the message of he's back being Indiana Jones but I think if you're making the message more so not He's back as Indiana Jones, and more so that he's just back to the realm of the living. He's back to having being surrounded by people who love him, regardless of the exciting adventures he goes on.
0: Yeah, well, because I think I, a, I think that's another part of this ending is that he not only mm-hmm. sees that Helena is there for him, he sees Sala and his kids are there as part of his family, and he sees Mary yep. and he sees this extended group of people who all care about him. You know, that's mm-hmm. part of it.
1: But I think a more powerful ending may have been instead of him grabbing the hat off the clothesline blows off the clothesline like it's gone yeah i agree it's actually yeah that would have made
0: more sense it's like no he's done like with that part of his life because now he's mm-hmm. happy with all like these people that he's got he doesn't need yeah you know yeah like, he doesn't yeah, have to yeah, that, go that on his adventures worked. yeah like, it's, it's slightly different but it, it, it would have worked as well obviously mm-hmm. the thematic thing as well that he's literally going to live in the past and often people who are can't move on from something you would say they're living mm-hmm. in the past you know there's a bit of a cute thing there yeah
1: I mean, I think the biggest problem for me, and maybe this is just my stupid ass brain and how I'm reading this, (laughs) but the fact that the last shot we see of Indy and Marion inside his apartment is them sharing a passionate kiss. Yes. And then we see, you know, Helena downstairs walking down to the ice cream shop with the kids, and then he reaches out the window and grabs his hat. The first thing going through my mind is
0: he's using that for a sex thing. Maybe she just likes him to wear the hat during sex. That's
1: yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the, that's the whole reason he keeps it around. That's the reason it was in a special
0: leather bag I when Sala picked it up. It was under his bed. Think about that. Okay, here's the, I'm going to pose a question here. What if they did a lot of these beats, not at the very end, right? But what if this mm-hmm. scene... Again, you've got a more downbeat plot with less action in it, and it's more this almost drama, effectively, of this grumpy mm-hmm. old man... What if you did this moment though where he's having to make the choice to actually get involved and be Indiana Jones and you have this scene with Mary and you have this Am I back moment? What if you have mm. that at the start of an Act Three? And then you can have your adventure finale with him you know the one last ride where he's like, No, I'm still Indiana Jones. I've like patched, you know, I've I've had these moments with my wife. I realize that people care about me and, I, and maybe it's them that are in danger. Maybe he's like, I need to be in Indiana Jones to save the people I care about. And that's why I'll put the hat back on one last time. So,
1: so easy transition would be Helena does some betrayal, some major hmm. thing. Maybe she actually gives up the graficos to the Nazis. And then he just says, screw it. I'm not here to save you anymore. And he goes back home. But then she gets into trouble. Yeah, with the nazis like that, yeah. to make that call i
0: mean i don't know like, you'd have to obviously rewrite there like there's, yeah. you'd have to do a lot of things I'm, I'm just posing the idea that instead of doing it right at the very end although i understand doing it there if you mm-hmm. do it like it's almost maybe more like a typical structure to do it at that point like you know, the lowest moment is and then the uplifting moments when he realizes no i i am still that person my fire's back i'm going to go fight the bad guy like
1: I guess it depends on what kind of ending you're looking for because with the ending we were given it was pretty downbeat and sour of you know this guy's given up on life right up until the very last like couple lines. Which by the
0: way my favorite part of the movie is these downbeat moments like as he's like yeah. sort of like contemplating Absolutely. this stuff. and
1: that's That's also one of the reasons that I kind of wanted it to end with him in the past is that I kind of wanted there to be those scenes of people memorializing him in the present and you see him just somewhat not not entirely fulfilled but just still happy with the way things turned out
0: the problem i have with that though is that the best scenes in the movie are are all the scenes in the apartment pretty much yeah. after he wakes up like th- those moments where he sees the people who care about him realizing that and then seeing marion and patching up with her it's the mm-hmm. best part of the movie and it's wild that the best part of this new indiana jones movie is the scene where two 80 year olds stand <laughs> in a kitchen and talk and to each out. other but it, but it, it, it really is it, it genuinely is the best part and mm-hmm i think partly it's because it's like when they're doing the action scenes it feels that they're constantly working around the age they're constantly working around the limitations they now have that they never used to have so it feels like at least least a little bit disingenuous whereas this part of the movie it gets to be exactly what it wants to be and it never Mm -hmm. feels that specific scene it doesn't have to pull punches it doesn't have to make up for something it can't do it's about two old people who have fallen apart because of a tragedy and he's worked through his pain and they can reconcile and james mangold is good at drama and that's what this scene is It's a drama scene and that scene works i think the problem is is that fundamentally because this is a hollywood blockbuster that's meant to be a nostalgia throwback to a franchise Mm -hmm. is what gets in the way of every interesting element that otherwise is trying to do and move the character forward and give him a send-off that's you know, a bit more nuanced than just giving them the big happy ending, which is what Crystal Skull did, and that was a fine idea because it's a fairly lighthearted, pulpy franchise ultimately. Mm-hmm. But this, like, if they'd went full drama with this, and I get that a lot of people would like be like, "Why is it not an action movie?" Like, I totally get that there would be a backlash to that, but it yeah. would be the ballsy thing to do that might actually make for the more interesting film. It's kind of like this is a really good comparison to make is. The Newer God of War games, or even Uncharted 4, right? I'm going to video games here, because... And this is the beauty of this, is that they didn't have to do this, because it's video games and it's all CG anyway, right? It's all graphics, it's all yeah. in a computer. And even the voice actor, Nolan North, who plays Nathan Drake, even though he's a bit older on the character, he could still voice the character probably for a long time before it would sound oh, yeah. weird. So... But they made a, a conscious choice where after that original trilogy of games on the PS3, they did one more game, the fourth one on the PS4. But they chose to do this thing where now he's a father and now he's mm-hmm. he's got kids, He's a, he's got a married man with kids and we're going to tell this story of, like, he he's pulled into one last thing but it's kind of like he wants to because he kind of misses the adventure and it raises yeah. conflict. But by the end of the story, it's exploring all these mature ideas about, like, you know giving up the, like who you were when you were younger because now you're in a different life and you're in this married life with with you know and it, it, it i actually think it's my favorite of the four games as far as story goes because it felt like no we actually want to talk about someone who adventure you know this is a great comparison because he's very indiana jones like in terms of you know, yeah. he's, he's mm-hmm. treasure hunting he's doing action scenes you know he he when you play those games you must murder like a thousand people <laughs> by the time you get to that fourth game but it's kind of dealing with like okay this guy had this really specific lifestyle and now he's someone different how is he matured and it actually tells and i think when the movie wants to actually focus on how is indiana jones as a character changed and what can we tell f- from him about him dealing with the fact that he's changed and that he's older and that he's went through these other things it actually pokes on some interesting nuanced things mm-hmm. but A lot of the movies just know we have to have him in the hat and then a a car chase or whatever.
1: Yeah, I do... I want to bring this up. Obviously, we've already speculated on it, but I do want to bring Mm. this up that, according to IMDb trivia, which obviously is fallible, I'm not taking it as... It's not not
0: foolproof, for sure.
1: According to the trivia, it says that John Williams stated in an interview that a, quote, new ending had to be shot, and he therefore needed to compose a new score for it. Oh, interesting. So at some point there may have been, I mean, it's at least a different enough scene where an entirely different score had to be made.
0: So, uh, yeah, but I wonder, because I think the obvious thing you're about to suggest was it a different choice made about him coming back or not. I think, I actually think that's too, too much. Yeah. If anything, I would suggest maybe, maybe they didn't get uh Karen Allen originally. Maybe they didn't have Marion and, mm. and they rewrote the scene to include her. And that's like what the big, you know that changes yeah. the scope of it a bit. Yeah.
1: Um, that's possible.
0: You know, but, I, mean, I mean, maybe it was just the opposite choice, but I, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I mean, for me personally, I think that, and, and I don't want to sound cynical, but it is a cynical idea, is that I think that Disney, they know they're not going to get another Indiana Jones out of Harrison Ford, but I don't think they want to put a capper on the series as a whole. They don't want there to be a satisfying ending because if there is... No one will come back for whatever the next thing is. And I think that being able to... And when I say satisfying ending, I'm not saying in terms of like, you know, this wasn't a satisfying finish. That, that so does I'm, feel... saying more so, I'm saying more so in the fact that Indiana Jones is stuck in the past and he's dead. Like, there's no possible way we're ever going to see Harrison Ford again. I think they're still leaving that door open for like... He could cameo, maybe you know, possibly cameo, in the
0: maybe yeah. Like, but I, like that still feels pretty definitive, though, as far as like this is definitely the, the swan song. Like I, I mean,
1: so did so did Last Crusade, so did Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, they but all the...
0: felt like the last thing. Well, yeah, but the difference says is that he's almost dead. Like like yeah, we, we, like the time has run but out.
1: We, the first twenty minutes of this review was saying how the mouse doesn't stop
0: when you're dead. Well, okay, fair point. That's true, right? uh of course the sad reality for them is is that it's not making that much money so true i highly doubt they're going to and this is the thing like they wanted to possibly do a mutt thing like after mm-hmm. the, the, the last movie and it never even came close to happening because i think it did okay but it, it did, i mean it did better than this one did opening weekend yeah. but it's not and that's the thing like you know like indiana jones itself is a throwback to the serials of the 30s and 40s Mm-hmm. and that was a movie that came out in the 80s the entire original trilogy came out over the span of the 80s and then crystal skull was kind of right in the middle or the early stages of 80s nostalgia time period and they mm-hmm. kind of capitalized what they could but it wasn't enough to like instantly want more sequels from a financial level right. um and it, uh, to, to an extent i think 80s nostalgia is kind of ever present because it's still going today really but yeah i think the i think like the zoomers if to use a word that i don't like using <laughs> the younger people than us like i don't think they like uh, did they know indiana jones really like i think there was enough people in 2008 who grew up watching them on tv that there was a, a reasonable audience of like young people i feel <laughs> like now that like you know you know that, like even us who grew up watching them on tv and saw the first one we saw in theaters was crystal skull you know we're all in our 30s now pretty much yeah
1: See, that's what I'm thinking is that it's not so much that they know Indiana Jones as it was to begin with. They just have a nostalgia for the thing they grew up with, which in this case was Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It was more like that was 15 years ago. Anybody who was eight years old when they watched that at their impressionable age, they had disposable income. They are able to now see this
0: movie. I I think that's why it's stunned. Less is because I don't think a lot of people have that much nostalgia for Crystal Skull because it's not as I good. don't think that many people have that much disposable income technically. But. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Um I mean, my theater tickets all just went up in price in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. so uh, uh that's rough. But um yeah, I, I it, it it's, it's a weird thing to think about that, but certainly we're we're at this I, weird stage where now like 90s stuff is more than for anything, We're almost past that into the early two thousands at this point.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm wondering. Like, so I guess from the thing is that it took 15 years between Kingdom of the Crystal Skull to get out this movie. Yeah. Do you see any reality where in 15 years we're going to have another installation in some form?
0: I no. I think eventually. I think everything will be tried again eventually. It's the mm-hmm. only difference is this time it won't be Ford. It'll be a fresh reboot if they do it. It'll be something. I mean, honest to God, what I believe is actually going to happen
1: is that it's going. I mean, this came out in 2023 and it was set in 1969. Mm-hmm. So fast forward 12 years, 2035, we're gonna get something, and it's gonna be because it's released in the year that Indiana Jones is Released, it's going to be something set in like 1981 to some regard, and they're gonna see Indian theaters, they're gonna see it up on the screen.
0: Uh, maybe I, yeah, I mean, I don't really have an appetite for anymore. To... I mean, I didn't really have an appetite for this one, to be honest, but yeah, uh, like, but after this, there's some nice ideas in it, and there's things that I'll, you know, I've complimented a few things uh, mm-hmm. throughout, but the larger big picture problems are definitely there and there's the things that i just like yeah they they just dragged in the movie Uh, is it better than crystal skull i I would say it is but that's probably Mm -hmm. the height of its achievements here in the sense that even temple of doom which i don't like that much i think because at the time that movie was made in and this goes back to something i said right at the start is that that still feels very much of those other two films even if it's the one that i like the least and that it's a lot of practical effects it looks very similar it's shot in film like those all two are everything about it feels like it's part of that lineage in a more genuine way and because of that even though there might be some story beats in this one that i technically like more i think mm-hmm. temple of doom is just is still overall better because it feels more authentic it feels like an authentic indiana jones movie in that sense that i don't think to some extent this does and it, it's not because of any mistakes made on anyone part, It's just because when enough time passes, uh, I felt the same way when they did Die Hard Four. Never mind Five. Is that yeah. at a certain point he just doesn't feel like John McClane anymore? He's aged too much, and he's not that guy. It's
1: just, yeah. You know. No. I mean, it's it's. I think you bringing up video games was a good point there. In that, in video games, you can have them eternally be whatever age you want. It. They don't. They never have to age. I, Mario is going to be vaguely thirty until he just explodes
0: and and he's a bit more of a cartoon character i think it's interesting that some of the more mature games you know i was talking about uncharted and god of war and when i say mature mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to diss the other ones i just mean in terms of they're telling stories with right. narratives that are like more human uh th- they are making the choice because they realize that like try to keep an ongoing because mario doesn't really have an ongoing story right mario just mm-hmm. kind of exists yeah. in a simpsons like ever state and that's mm-hmm. fine uh, but in short, you know, had an ongoing story and, you know, they realized that what was interesting to them was to take the story forward and do something that closed off the character and age, you know, age them up and do it properly. Right. And they did it as a creative choice rather than because they had to. And I think what's interesting in the movie world is that we are doing the opposite where because we want to have the old actors come back, we're reshaping the story to try and fit the fact that they're all old now. You know, and yeah. we see it time and time. You know, the the new Halloween movies with Jim Lee Curtis run about in our late seventies, fighting Michael Myers. And well, that's
1: it's something that comes up, and I've I've seen a couple things about this. Is that especially you know we're in the comic books, yeah. and there's this thing where every every single era is defined by whatever the people who are currently writing were reading when they were kids. Like that's constantly just been a thing where it rotates out on about like a 25 to 30 year basis. You're always looking back that far. This is that same sort of thing where you've got this movie that was great in the 80s and all that. But I think the biggest thing is that the people who are writing it, the people who watch these movies and enjoy them when they came out. They're aging with the characters. They are Mm -hmm. coming across these same developmental points in life. The people who are writing these movies, I mean, not technically writing, but the people, you get into that headspace, the audience, I guess, that went to go see the original Raiders, they are at this age where they are coming towards, like, retirement age, and they're trying to define, like... What do I do with my life when I have nothing
0: left in it? Well, that's why the story would work better if it focused more on that. Like, right. If anything, I think but, it alienates but, them more if he's still doing things that someone in this age like is less believable right. to be doing.
1: But I'm saying that's why it also happens in video games and such like that, is that the developers behind the scenes, they're also aging. They're having mm. kids. They're growing into different stages of life. And I think it's this strange battle between wanting to have this narrative structure that follows a real life and can age with the audience and never letting an ip die these are two yeah. things that cannot coexist and yet they are forced to
0: yeah and you know honestly it's it is getting tiring and frustrating uh, you know i think big blockbusters right now are suffering from this a lot Uh, Mm -hmm. And it is making a lot of them, you know, like, you know, I'm excited to see the new Mission Impossibles at some point because they, they, you know, they do focus on stunts. They have their own unique, I mean, it's unique now anyway, uh, that they (laughs) they have that focus and they're, they're, you know, good because of that. And to be fair, like for different reasons, both Oppenheimer and Barbie, which are released (laughs) in the same day. uh, Yes. Like, they're both both offering some... I mean, Barbie is an IP, don't get me wrong, but,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's, it's like they've not actually done a big movie like Barbie like this before, so it's, it's, no. it is a new thing. And it seems to have a creative vision behind, you know, Greta Gerwig, who's making it, seems to be really, you know... Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's... it's.
1: I mean, I agree, but I can already see the projection of this movie does great. They made oh, yeah. Barbie 2, same cast. Barbie 2 kind of doesn't do as well. So then it goes into straight to streaming videos, and eventually we get CGI every third month of Barbie and the blank. I've never, like... I understand from the point of if you've got a like long-running franchise, but I think once you hit the number five... Honestly, once you hit the number four, but definitely when you hit the number five... You really got to think about either wrapping it up or having a real reason to keep going
0: yeah so that that is a bit of a tangent there but that is our thoughts yeah. on the movie uh we'll rate it now at this juncture david
1: i mean i hope you're okay with me sitting here for another 10 minutes just coming through with this because this is tough <laughs> this is a tough one for me because like he said, like we've said this whole time, there are so many aspects of this that worked, but it's it's the fact that they weren't peppered in throughout the whole movie. It felt like there were large swaths of this movie that were kind of just forgettable, all things yeah. considered. Kinda of just not what I wanted to see. But the parts that I did enjoy, I really enjoyed. I did like I was I was sitting front row. I could see nothing except Indiana Jones, and I loved it. So in terms of a rating for this, I think I'm gonna come down. I'm gonna come down to the six. It's it's better than average. It is a fine movie. It's enjoyable enough. I mean, if you got a kid or something like that who's like vaguely interested in this stuff, oh go for it. There's no better way to waste two and a half hours. I guarantee you that kid will be quiet the whole damn time. But in terms of people who have grown up with indie, who have really wanted to get back to that golden age, this ain't it. It may be taking the big swings of nostalgia, but it is kind of just nostalgia in the end.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I was thinking about it uh, since I watched it and wasn't really sure exactly where I landed number-wise. Um, I think it does at least try some things. You know, Mangle tries to... Because you know, he did it very well with, with Logan. And interestingly, mm-hmm. with Logan, I think the action in that was also the weakest part of that movie. That- uh, so... But that movie did focus a lot more on the the elements that did work about that, and that's why that that rang truer by the time it finished. Mm. Uh, so I'm obviously going to rate it higher than than Crystal Skull. Um, I, I think I'm going five point five. I think I'm just 5. 5, just right? nudging slightly over the that that middle mark. But it, it, you know, it's very mute. It's very tepid because there's, there's yeah. just too much in it that. I, I don't think uh, i mean
1: 5.5 5 is what i was bouncing around too yeah. that's where i was jumping
0: I, I think it comes down to is that i, I did just get bored of the action scenes they weren't you know they weren't anywhere near as good for a start as you know the original movies right because they weren't stunts and stuff but yeah. on top of that like there was too many of them and i just felt nothing from them at a certain point i was just kind of mm-hmm. you know i perked up a little bit with the plain stuff right towards the end because i realized it was about to right. do something crazy but a lot of the like, like I say, there was like a lot of vehicle chase scenes. They got kind of old mm-hmm. after a while. Can I just throw in one tiny little nitpick
1: that we, sure. because we jump so quickly into the time stuff, I just, I have a bother with this. The portal, the the space sphincter, yes, <laughs> that sends them through time. It is a, just a giant wormhole, like it's it's just a giant portal. You go through and then you end up on the other side. It's a portal that's
0: apparently always obscured because it's always in the middle of a storm is what it seemed to be saying. I'll take that, whatever. My biggest problem is, if it is a portal, what does
1: it matter how the continents were drifting? Like, it's still just the portal there. It doesn't matter where in the relation of ground it is. Unless this portal is constantly, like, drifting across the planet and they just happen to find it at this one time. Well... So, Yeah. All right. That's all it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I will say this. Keep in mind that Earth is moving through space. So mm-hmm. it's maybe a case of, you know, it's going to a different, like, portal in the past, you know, because here's your, a different angle. Whatever angle you go through the, the portal at, it depends on which other portal in the past you'll pop out at.
1: Fair enough. I'll, I'll take any explanation. That's, but that's it all i
0: got for you. I don't know.
1: It, it was bothering me at the moment where I'm like, you're in a space portal. What does it matter what's underneath you? Anyway, we still have to decide though. Does this movie make the cut? No. <laughs> no. I mean, all right. How how hard of a hit are you willing to give it though? Do you think it's just full on cut uh, like cut from the collection? Cuz honestly, I would put it as cutting it close.
0: I don't think so. I I think the baseline we've established, I think this is too much in the middle of mediocre for us to say it's like I think it's kind of weird and that there's things in it to like, but ultimately I would would not recommend it. Like, I just wouldn't.
1: Okay. I mean, I'm not going to push that hard against you. I just do want it on the record that I think it's a little bit better than that. But I do agree that it's in that sort of tepid area. Like, I think that uh, I mean, I gave it a six. I think that's more than able to be kind of cutting it close. But if you say cut from the collection, I can agree that this movie can be skipped. And I think that is the biggest thing is whether or not a person comes in like after the fact and says, should I even consider checking it out? And I think, nah, this that, one.
0: Sadly, I think this is still a case where you say, watch the trilogy. And I don't th- yeah. i I think you, 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 and most people are probably just out of completion and watch the rest anyway. But I, I would not recommend, I, I like, I think if it went harder on the things that i liked and it was more of a consistent part of the movie and i felt like it built up to those legit, legitimately good ideas and moments mm-hmm. emotionally i would i would have been more on board and as i said this would have been like a really interesting like reflective drama about this character who is in a different place in his life and it would have almost been like a uh, going back to comic books you know how like uh, bendis did that daredevil end of days or or even something like dark knight returns this would kind of effectively be indies dark knight returns and yeah you know has like come back one last hurrah but it's got a lot to say about who he is and how he's changed and blah, you know and mm-hmm. I, I just think it's too late and all that stuff for most of the movie uh that yeah you know, so that's fair there you go that is indiana jones and the dial of destiny we did go relatively lengthy <laughs> on that one i was trying to start this out an extra 20 minutes get to the full length of the movie but uh that is the that is the review um of course next week we start our new season we'll be working on the expendables franchise obviously start with the first one and building up to the fourth new one actually
1: i i think uh because of our filming schedule we have forgotten we're doing christopher nolan
0: in between there sorry we're recording expendables next uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i am talking complete nonsense it is christopher nolan season coming up next Uh, this is the problem with us being ahead in schedule and then having to go back for the new theater releases is that my mind my mind is in a completely different place than than where this releasing is i get it i get it Uh, yeah yeah so christopher nolan season uh starts next week it's kind of getting split in two because we have to slot in a little animated turtles tangent in the middle but we're going to be doing six christopher nolan movies all in including oppenheimer Mm-hmm. So uh look forward to uh that kicking off with a uh, following his first film next week so which i guarantee you haven't seen not you peter but like the audience what are two of them might have yeah. fair it's, it's it's obscure but i mean i think the fact that it's uh, been released by criterion means that there's a chance that some people True i forgot it was criterion that's yeah that's so fair. you know it, it it's got uh you know uh, uh it was was the, well a stage it's got uh you know it's got some notoriety yeah anyway uh
1: so that's well, coming yeah pete if i'm if i was interested in other criterion films what else could i check out
0: well we have a month show just reviewing criterion movies um coming up uh, this month will be our third episode but we've already done uh the wages of fear and we did seven samurai so if you want to hear us talk about highbrow <laughs> cinema <laughs> um by all means go check out that and if you want to get even more content on a monthly basis, we have two bonus monthly shows on Patreon, one at the $3 tier, and then another one you can get access at the $5 tier. Uh, the first one is the monthly bonus episode that will tie in maybe loosely to what's uh, what's going on. Uh, the Monuments mm-hmm. Men is the one that's going out around the same time as this episode, uh, which is a World War Two movie, so it kind of ties into Indy, kind of ties into some of the known stuff. I mean-
1: there's Nazis taking stuff. Yeah. So
0: it's kind of straight up with this movie. There's, there's artifacts being stolen. Uh, and, pa- yeah. and Well, more art and paintings and stuff, but, you know, whatever. Uh, similar enough. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, what are these artifacts, if not just art from a long time ago? Can't spell artifact without art. I, I guess you can. I don't know. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, And then, of course, our monthly show is Collectors Cut Extra Reels, which we do so bad, they're hopefully good movies. And we are talking, you know, Miami Connection, we're talking Dangerous Man, we're talking some of the the famous things. In fact, coming up this month, later this month on Patreon, if you're in the $5 tier up, we are reviewing our first ever Neil Breen movie on Extra Reels. So... Oh, God. If you want to see us lose our minds a little bit, uh, then check out that but yeah uh yeah there you go that's all the plugging check out the other shows on the on the movie channel we've got a horror movie podcast that i do with tim called screams after midnight there's a science fiction podcast i do with tara called the atomic cinema experiment and both of those uh have been going much longer in this show Uh, we just had 200 episodes on the ace uh, mm-hmm. Screams is yeah. 500 plus episodes <laughs> I was
1: going to say I went on to uh Patreon the other day just to see if We had uploaded any of the bonus episodes And I saw Screams episode 584 And I was like nope Wait, That's too much I can't even begin to imagine watching that many
0: Extra reels at that point well, to be, well, streams isn't monthly for a star. <laughs> it's not been that yeah, many months. Uh, I also, I think you're off by about forty episodes. I guess like, Am uh, I, it's like four thirty or oh, sorry, five, maybe it five forty. Yeah, it's like five thirty or 540-ish we're at. All right. Either way, it was a lot. If it was 5.80, eight, I'd be like, oh, we're getting close to six hundred. We're get we're nearing Oof. that six hundred mark. I'd, I'd I'd be I'd be like shouting about that. <laughs> I'd be more interested in the six hundred sixty six episode. That better be something special. Ah, uh, yeah, it's not before wait no have we done the omen i don't think we have oh we need to save the omen then for, for there you go. for 666 Ah, uh, perfect all right well there you go that has been collector's cut hopefully you enjoyed this very long episode thank you very much for joining us we always appreciate it keep watching movies and you know that belongs in gary Busey's bathroom